All right, in honor of the creator of our of our movie this week, mm-hmm. Weird Al Yankovic, we're going to present you with a parody of our our opening theme song. I don't want to see an ordinary movie. I want to see a big old hamburger. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 pizza rolls. You ever feel like your mind has started to lasagna? <laughs> I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? Welcome to 1,000 Wives of Weird, the podcast where we discuss weird movies. I'm Billy Martell, and with me as always is... Weird Brad Hefner. (laughs) Yes, this is the podcast where we present wives to Weird Al Yankovic. Mm -hmm. And today the wife that we are presenting to him is his own... A wife of his own making. Yep. It's his Franken-wife. This is Franken-wife. UHF, the one and only feature film that Weird Al has... Uh, created. I was about to say directed, but he didn't direct this. No. This is directed by Jay. His manager. His manager. Uh, still his manager to this day. Oh, yeah? In the audio commentary for the movie, he said that he let his manager direct it because he wanted someone he could physically dominate if they disagreed <laughs> on the set. <laughs> Just something that I thought was interesting to note. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, really. I was did a lot of research about Weird Al and... and Famous polygamist. <laughs> when we, uh, Famous polygamist. When we just... I'm not going to use certain terms. We provide sure. women to him. We provide women, yes, yes. Live women. <laughs> live women. Let me. He does, he does insist on that. He does insist on that. Looking up Weird Al, and Weird Al, of course, has a stage name that includes a very important word to us mm-hmm. and the show. On a talk show where he was being introduced talking about an anniversary of UHF, the hosts of the show announced him as saying, the weirdest man in Hollywood. Mm. And he sputtered at that and said what gary Busey? i'm not even in the top five (laughs) which i thought was appropriately humble of him yeah uh if you don't know who weird al is there is an argument that goes around saying that comedians are modern day philosophers that they speak truth to power that 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 uh, that they are these like great truth seekers and sayers weird al is the uh opposite of that yeah where like he is he's an unquestionably a comedian and an incredibly successful one yes since the 1970s when he started he's been almost uniformly successful for decades at this point still is now and he just consistently kind of says nothing uh his comedy is mostly just taking songs that exist what if a song was not about breakfast (laughs) but it suddenly was about breakfast. <laughs> yes, uh, he he's a, apparently a Christian. Oh yeah, and he he be, part of that is like very sort of making sure all of his comedy is very, as clean as possible. Occasionally, especially in the eighties, when these jokes were a little bit more okay, he would throw in some very outdated language to talk about certain sexual or gender identities. Oh, no. Yeah. But I didn't know about that. I, I was listening to a lot of Weird Al in the past week. Yeah, some of his older stuff has, like, there's a song that he did based on One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies yeah. talking about the Jerry Springer show and talking about the kind of people that were on the Jerry Springer show. Mm-hmm. And so there are some 
words that are dropped that I'm sure he wouldn't use today. He doesn't seem to be in any way like someone who sets out to offend for comedy. No, he he doesn't. He seems to be a very from what I've been able to glean, he's a very private person, so there's not a lot of his like internal thoughts or process yeah. online. It took me a while to even find anything about the making of UHF just because he's so keeps everything so close to the chest. Yes. But he just seems to be like a very nice, very shy kind of person who just seems wants like to do some yuck-em-ups and like it. Uh, make some very goofy jokes about food. Yes, he, mo- he sings a lot about food. A lot about food. One of my favorite Weird Al stories is he contacted Kurt Cobain. Oh, I love this one. To yeah. do his Parrot Smells Like Nirvana. Now, and, par- under parody law, you don't actually have to ask people for permission. Weird Al makes it a personal rule to always ask the artist for yes. permission to parody their song, which is kind of sweet of him. It's nice. It's yeah. respectful. Yeah. And he goes to Kurt Cobain and says, hey, I'd like to parody Smells Like Teen Spirit. Mm-hmm. And Kurt Cobain sort of sighs and goes, it's not going to be about food, is it? <laughs> right, yeah. And Weird Al says, no, it's going to be about how no one can understand you. Yeah. And Kurt Cobain's like, great. Yeah, I think the way that he told it on the Hot Ones episode that I watched yesterday, he said, yeah, it's about how no one can understand you. And Kurt Cobain said, oh, that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Which is also just a great Kurt Cobain story. It as well. is. Around the late 80s, this movie came out in 89, Weird Al got a deal with Orion Pictures. Mm, that classic. Orion Pictures that uh, is, I think, mostly known as the people who originally put out RoboCop these days. Sure. They had a couple of hits. They're not around anymore. I thought they came back. Uh, they, I think that the name, the brand is owned by somebody now. But, like, the actual studio closed about ten years after this movie came out. Okay. At the time, they were already having financial difficulties. And they signed off on uh, giving Weird Al a, a very limited budget to they make this movie. They relaunched in 2014. They did, they did relaunch in 2014. Okay. Uh, I think it was 1999 when they originally closed. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. And so they signed a picture deal with Weird Al, to, uh, who was, again, already very successful at the time, doing his, his parody songs and his music videos, to make this feature-length film, which uh, was a movie that Weird Al had been shopping around for a while. They put together the film. They shot it all in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. They, there are many uh, local people local people from Tulsa in the movie. They held a gong show for people to show oh, off their okay, talents cool. uh, to be in certain scenes. But uh, it, it was a, apparently a lot of fun to make. There's a lot of really amazing comedic talent, both from before this movie existed and after, mm-hmm. uh, in the film. And then it bombed terribly after being released during yes. one of the most iconic summers in cinema history. Yeah. yeah. Never stood a chance. Never like, stood if a even chance. one of those movies had come out, I don't think it would, I think it would have gotten slaughtered. I had, um, like, a, a very, not the whole list, but, like, a very brief list of, one like, of them some was of Batman. them. Batman was a big one. And Indiana Jones came out. Indiana Jones 3, specifically, came out. And Lethal Weapon 2, yeah. the Dead Poet Society, I think, came out that year. I'm not, I don't recall that one, but... Uh, oh, and When Harry Met Sally. Yes. That definitely came out that year. And so, yeah, no, they're, they're never, it probably wasn't going to be the smash hit Orion wanted it to be. No. But it could have made a, it could have lasted more than the two weeks it actually lasted yeah. in the theaters. Apparently, Orion executives were calling Weird Al the new Woody Allen to his face in, in the studio and like giving him all these perks because they 
the studio, the movie tested really well. Yeah. And then the second it was released and things started to not go their way, they just sort of cut him off yeah. completely. I mean, it's... I probably would, too. Yeah. Like, if it were 1989... Sure. And you're a movie executive mm-hmm. and you're dealing with Weird Al... They told him, you're going to save the studio, you're the new Woody Allen, we're going to... You're you're going to be incredible. And then they just... It just didn't work out and they, they tossed him out Critical of his ass. Critical and commercial failure. Critical and commercial failure. If you want to see someone who just doesn't get the whole Weird Al thing, uh, watch the Roger Ebert, uh, Gene Siskel review video for mm. this movie. They are mean. <laughs> they are mean about it. Again, like, I feel like my personal relationship with Weird Al... Yeah, I think we should cover this first uh, before we get into the Did we even say... Uh, yeah, we did say we're watching UHF. Yeah, we did. Um, and we'll get into the summary after this. We will. So, Weird Al is a whole experience, so it's, it's, it is relevant to talk about what we think of Weird Al first before we get to the movie, I yeah. think. Yeah. So I, when I was in elementary school, mm-hmm. I had a bunch of CDs, Bad Hair Day, Running With Scissors. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the two ones I played the most, but I, I'm, I liked Weird Al. And then because this was, uh, I grew up in the nineties and uh, the early two thousands, it kind of became like, oh, Weird Al, silly. Sure. Weird Al, silly, I'm too old for Weird Al. Right. Parody songs. Ugh. Yeah. What low form of comedy, singing about pizza. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And now, in, in more recent years, as sort of the snark that pervaded the 2000s and 2010s started mm-hmm. to fade away into, to borrow a term from Jesse Thorne, this new sincerity, mm. this new kindness where everyone's like, and, and sort of with everyone else, I realized like, Weird Al's not fucking hurting anybody. Like, yeah, I might not laugh at the songs, but like, right. they're catchy. He, and again, he's, he's fine. He seems like a very nice man. He does. He makes a lot of people happy. He does. His parents are dead. His parents are they dead. They died terribly. They died terribly at the same the time. The opening of Midsummer was based on them. Are you serious? No. Okay. Because <laughs> his parents did die terribly they at the did. same time in a manner not dissimilar from Midsummer. So, <laughs> you, think so Ari, I, you think Ari Aster, like, it's like the day the music died, like, oh, he turned on the TV and he's like, uh. <laughs> I need to. Make this. Uh... There's a there's a twisted sense of humor in Midsommar that not enough people talk about. So True. There, it, it's not outside the realm of possibility. It would be very mean of Ari Aster. Yes, it would be terrible. <laughs> it would be terrible. Yes. Uh, he does terrible things to his characters, not to Weird Al Yankovic. Okay. That's that's, a... that's his one rule of that's writing. His... <laughs> he has a framed picture on his wall, and he's like, "I'll protect you at all costs." Weird. I, I think I, I have a similar sort of... Uh, there are two wolves in my mind. Yes. There's the wolf that thinks that Weird Al is a low form of comedy, is very silly and stupid. Yeah. And then there's the other part of me that's like, this shit is hilarious. He's an underrated musician. Like, he's actually good at making music, yeah. not just he's, like... He's musically talented. I believe he can play several instruments. He can. Aside from the accordion. Which is his, his uh, favorite. And... Uh, 
what he, he said in one of the interviews I watched uh, with a completely straight face, and I don't think he was joking, although it is very hard to tell with Weird Al in interviews, that the accordion is a very sensual instrument. Uh, you can see it. Sure. Uh, yeah, giving it hugs. <laughs> yes, you're constantly like, you know applying pressure uh lots lots of fingering fingering yep. yeah lots of about to say lots of fingering that bellows yeah he just seems to be someone who is doing what he loves for a dedicated fan base yeah that consistently brings up some sort of petition to have him uh do the Super Bowl halftime show every year Mm -hmm. and uh it doesn't and a multi-year attempt to get him a uh, star on the Walk of Fame. Oh, did that did that finally happen? It did. No? It did eventually happen. Yeah, but it was like years and years, Jesus. and like every time fans would raise the amount, and every like every so often the amount would go up. Oh god! And they just like. And also, there's a very good chance that if you're a fan of any cartoon, you've probably heard his voice. Yeah. Because he's he just seems to be someone that people enjoy working with. So yeah, he, he no, ends people, up in a lot of stuff and. Nerds love him, yeah. Especially, and nerds tend to write for television, yeah. And yeah. as as we know from Paul F. Tompkins, if you want to address him, the proper way to do it is by saying is by weird, weird, weird. Where did you hear that story? Just watched a clip of Paul F. Tompkins stand up. Oh, okay. And he telling that story about uh, the. Uh, uh, best of the eighties, so whatever the fuck, and, yeah. he, and he goes around and and he's just, and he he thought he knew Weird Al and was just saying Weird, come on, Weird, They're like complaining about noise and stuff. And, and turns out he didn't know Weird Al; he just seen him a lot on TV. And <laughs> Weird Al again is this very introverted, very sort of like quiet person so yeah. when he thought he was being yelled at he just kind of shut down and got very small and then paul f tompkins Aww. felt like a bully <laughs> yeah <laughs> everyone i'm sad for everyone in that story yeah although same. part of me had hoped like it seems at least in the 80s weird Al was a big fan of stand up mm-hmm. and like had really had his finger on the pulse of especially like lesser known people sure yeah uh so i i was hoping like maybe he would have been familiar with paul f tompkins and not sure. scared of this I, Weird Al, again, from watching uh, a, a bunch of interviews, Weird Al seems to be someone who is kind of like, I've heard stories about Robin Williams that describe him this way, is genuinely afraid of everyone he meets. Gotcha. I think that he's a very private person and that interacting with people in public is very difficult for him. He's He comes off as very extroverted in most interviews. Yeah. But that's because most talk shows are... A variety show where you are putting on a performance in front of True. people. But I, I get the sense that like if he were being how he if he were acting how he feels in those scenarios, that he would be acting more like a Robert De Niro or Keanu Reeves, where you can yeah. just tell that they are waiting to get off that stage as quickly as possible. Now I wanna see uh Weird Al tend to be Robert De Niro. <laughs> like I want it to be like a prank show. <laughs> Where he's just like on the streets of New York, and Grant, he'd yeah. hate this because, right. it, but like he just he goes up to people and is like, maybe he doesn't even do a voice, he's just like, hey, I'm Robert De Niro, Bobby D's here, <laughs> and he's just not even doing a Robert De Niro impression, he's just yeah. fully doing like the high pitched, shrill, weird Al goofy yes. voice. It's like I'm Robert De Niro. So, the, so talking about the movie, the film UHF, UHF ultra high frequency, uh, which uh, Weird Al says again on the cut co- i recommend if you are a fan of this movie or if you like weird al to watch the commentary for uhf because it's actually very interesting on dvd i don't but i found the commentary somewhere oh, okay yeah <laughs> weird al 
describes the movie's plot as cookie cutter, and it certainly mm. is. Weird Al is playing George. And many of the critics point this out as yes, well. Yes, they did. Uh, Weird Al's playing George, who is just some guy with a wild imagination that gets him in all sorts of wacky trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, he's had a string of jobs that haven't worked out, and he just so happens to luck his way into running a UHF station, U-62. UHF, again, ultra-high frequency, was just sort of a thing back in the days of Rabbit Ears television that there were just all these ultra-high frequency band stations, and that if you had enough money and a license for the for the equipment, that you could just have one of these and do whatever kind of weird shit you wanted to. And Weird Al, or I'm sorry, George, keep forgetting that he's not he's not technically Weird Al. This is a character. Yes. This is a performance he's doing. Creates all sorts of weird shit, and essentially the rest of the movie is a vehicle for sketch comedy. Yes. It parodies, sketches. Um, very much like, like a movie that a sketch comedy troupe would make, like Monty Python sure. and the Holy Grail is just a, basically a series of sketches. It is, but this is more blatant. Yes, this is much more blatant. There's no through line. Yeah. There's no, like, Every thematic cohesiveness or story cohesiveness. Um, Weird Al in the commentary in, says that there were more scenes that tied things together with story and then they decided that all of those scenes were boring and cut all of them so that there's only the barest hint of a story left and they were like, just keep the jokes in. Fair. That's what people are here for anyway. That, that's fair. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the plot in a nutshell. It's again, very, very basic sort of, hey, I'm a comedian and want to get into show business. I want to make a movie, like even... Uh, Norm MacDonald's own movie is like the, oh, I'm a slacker whose job, I keep getting fired from my jobs and my best friend's yeah. here with me. And my girlfriend just dumped me. What am I going to do? Wacky business idea. You know, it's it's yep. it tried and true. We've all seen it. But yeah, so uh, Brad, what did you think of UHF? Um, and would you recommend it? I would recommend it. Okay. I would recommend it. I remember seeing this on television, either Comedy Central or VH1. Sure. Back... I think when I was still like when I was like eleven or something, sure, um, uh, very young, and it not really doing much for me. Yeah, and I'm not sure if this was during my like oh, I'm a over weird owl phase or it was just like I was a dumb kid. Sure, but I enjoyed it much more than I expected to. Mm -hmm. I thought it would kind of be a dud. We should also mention that the reason we are doing UHF mm -hmm. is we are going to see Weird Alfred. In concert tonight, <laughs> weird Alfred. Yes, we're we're going to see him tonight. Uh, we're not, and I just found out recently. This was this is information has been available to me the whole time. I just didn't have context. Did for you it. not know what the tour was? That that someone else is on the tour. Oh well, there's him. an opener, Emo Phillips. Emo Phillips, who's in this in, movie. in this film. Yeah, because I was looking because I I. I saw Emo Phillips in the movie, and I was like, this is someone. Who is this? And I, I, I looked him up, and I was like, oh, yeah, Emo Phillips. And then yeah, I Emo Phillips. Emo Phillips. Hey, everybody. I'm... Yeah, it's me, Emo Phillips. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, and I just, like... And then I happened to read in his Wikipedia article, has been opening for Weird Al for years now on every tour that he's had. They seem like to be the great last friends. Several years. I double-checked it. He is opening for Weird, Weird Al tonight, so yes. we get to see Emo Phillips, too. Here's what I was worried about. This yeah. is his This is his tour where he's not doing like a lot of covers or a lot of uh, his parodies. Oh, okay. You didn't know? And he's not like doing the costume changes and stuff. Okay. He's doing his original stuff. Okay. It's it's a very pared down experience. That's I'm okay with that. Okay. Honestly, like I I 
I, again, sort of steeping myself in Weird Al lore, as yeah. I have uh, in the past uh, couple of days, I've, I've grown a greater appreciation for his original work, as aside from his parody stuff, yeah. uh, just in general. But whatever he plays, I'm sure that it'll, it'll be fun. I'm sure. And it's I was looking on Wikipedia. Uh, it seems like during the encore, mm-hmm. which I hope to God he just, like... Makes it snappy, and we don't have to clap for fucking ten minutes. Sure, sure. Um, I don't think he'll do that to us. But he's doing, like, straight covers of songs. Oh, like fascinating. Tutti Frutti, oh. uh, 8675309, uh, You Can Call Me Al. Oh. Uh, not that he does those every time, but, sure. like, those are ones that he's done. So sure, that should sure. be fun. So he's, like, kind of uh, giving himself a freebie for the for the encore, just sort of like just whatever I, whatever I want to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Billy, would you recommend UHF? I would with it with with an asterisk. The asterisk is, do you like Weird Al already? Yes. If you because there are people who just can't Roger Ebert who just can't get into Weird Al's humor. Yeah. It just does not work for them. That's fine. Humor is subjective. If you don't like Weird Al style of comedy. This is going to suck for you. If you do like sure. Weird, if you do like Weird Al's style of comedy, the movie might work or might not. But like, it's there. There's something here for you. Yeah, and I think that that's that honestly goes like stronger for this than most other comedian movies. Like, if you don't yeah. like the comedy on SNL, you will probably you might still enjoy Blues Brothers. You might love its Pat. Sure, it's Pat might be your favorite movie. You might love Stuart Saves His Family. Right, you might enjoy Superstar. Sure, you don't know. With this movie, this is a very sort of if you are into the whole Weird Al experience, you're going to be into this. If you're not, you're just not. I had an opposite reaction to this movie than you did because I yeah. remember loving this movie to pieces back in college, and I watched it again this time. And maybe it's because I was taking the notes this time. Maybe. It always hurts. Which always hurts the experience. And I was so, like, I was looking down maybe for some of the gags. But the the movie felt like That's it was... why you watch it once before. Right. The movie felt like... I felt more of the, like, the unevenness of the filmmaking. As Weird Al himself points out in the commentary, This almost everyone doing this movie, behind the scenes anyway, were doing what they were doing for the first time. Weird Al gotcha. had never written a movie. The director had never directed a movie. They had never done any of this kind of stuff before. Half the stuff They had never seen a movie. They'd never seen a movie before. Half the stuff that they wanted to do, they couldn't do just because of budgetary reasons. But they still made this movie clearly with a lot of passion and heart behind it. Yeah. There's some, again, because it's kind of a sketch movie, there are really good bits and then really bad bits. And then they just kind of move past those bad bits and get to the next good bit. Yeah. There's plenty to love about this movie. And I do genuinely really enjoy it. And we'll probably be picking up a DVD copy after this episode, just because of, how much I enjoyed getting into it. But yeah, so let's jump into the... Unless you had anything you wanted to say before. Nope, let's get into plot. Let's get into the plot. Let's get into some spoilers. This movie is definitely made in the same style as, like, the Zucker Brothers comedies of the time. And Mel Brooks comedies, where, like, they're just a million gags a second. So we're not going to touch on everything that happens in this film. Nope, I mostly talked about women I found attractive. But the two women it. in this movie, right? Doggone it! You will know that there are attractive women in this movie yes. by the end of it. Uh, we open on a parody recreation of the opening of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, uh, the first of many, many movie parodies 
uh, in this film. And of course, it's it's full of, again, that Zucker Brothers sort of Weird Al Yankovic style humor. Mm-hmm. And we should note, because Weird Al looks different these days. Yes. He's had two looks. Yes. Now he Exactly long, two. <laughs> literally exactly two. <laughs> Now he has the long hair. Yes. That's sort of... Uh, wavy. Wavy. It's wavy. Mm-hmm. But he used to have a a tight perm. Yes. A, a tight fro perm. <laughs> not bulbous, but still like tight. Not mm-hmm. like fluffy. Yes. Uh, and a, and a mustache. Stash. And, a, and a real, a real pussy itcher. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently his mustache is in the Mustache Hall of Fame. Really? Yes. Where is that located? Uh, the Mustache Hall of Fame, Minnesota, I imagine. Oh, I would have said under the nose. Oh, there you go. So instead of the, the famous moment where Indy whips the gun out of the guy's hand, disarming him in this one, he literally disarms him, severing the guy's arm off with a mm-hmm. whip. Again, it's it's... It almost doesn't pay to describe this scene because it's literally just the opening of Raiders of the Lost Ark. But with Weird Al. But with Weird Al. And instead, the boulder that chases after him mm-hmm. chases. It doesn't have a fucking will of its own. <laughs> Although it in, this in, one, this movie, in this one, it does. Yeah. Al gets crushed by it. It gets crushed by it, but not only that, it, Weird it, it chases him out of the cave and into yes. a cityscape and all this stuff. Instead of getting... Impaled on spikes, Alfred Molina's character, now not played by Alfred Molina, gets run over by a random train in the middle of the jungle. Al probably could have got Alfred Molina. <laughs> I mean, the sacred bond that bonds all Al's in yes. this world. But uh, Weird Alfred Molina. <laughs> they should, oh, that's they a funnier should... die sketch worthy hap- waiting to happen. <laughs> Do you think they ever like call each other and be like, maybe it's time to switch places? <laughs> Um, I, I imagine that they talk for hours every night. I, I wish Weird Al would have been in one of Jim Jarmusch's coffee and cigarette sketches. Oh my God. I don't know who he would be having a conversation with. I don't but, know. Um, I don't know. Tom Lair. Just make it really weird. Make it really sure. weird for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Decrepit old Tom Lair. Decrepit old Tom Just Lair. in an iron lung. Just... <laughs> And no, weird, the iron lung. weird Al has like <laughs> the the pump breaks and Weird Al hooks his accordion up and he's right. like pumping his iron lung <laughs> and and Tom Laird isn't it's sort of like the Tom Waits and Iggy Pop sketch where mm-hmm. they're like aware of each other but they're not familiar. Um <laughs> So it's like, yeah, and then Dr. Oh. Demento comes in. Right, yeah, and, of course. Um, he's an actual doctor in the sketch. Of course he is, And he yes. pronounces Tom Lair dead. Right, and Tom Lair's like, what? He's <laughs> so, like still around, still there. So yes, he gets crushed by the boulder. He flattens out in a Wile E. Coyote-style gag. I sort of wish, not because I want to see Weird Al dead. Right. Let's make that clear, yes. FBI. <laughs> I wish- and Ari Aster. <laughs> Exactly. No. <laughs> no one's coming for your boy. At least not me. Right. I don't know about Billy. No, no. Keep him under watch. Right. Um, oh, everyone's in Ari Aster's weird new movie that no one knows anything about. You oh. should have got Weird Al, too. Um, <laughs> Turns out it's actually the same movie that Daniel Radcliffe's in. Like, Weird, the Weird Al story is oh, actually yeah. an Ari Aster project. <laughs> it just, Ari like, Aster's gets weird, real fucking dark. Four-hour movie with Nathan Lane and... <laughs> 
bunch of other people. What but, the um, fuck? Okay. Yeah, Nathan Lane's in it. Wow. The cast is weird. I'll look it up when we go out. Sure. I think maybe Patty Lapone too. Is it actually Knives Out too? Like what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's going to be revealed to be a dream sequence. He was yes. not actually Indiana Jones. <laughs> but I would love in case it. you were worried. I would love it if. Al just died multiple times horrifically throughout the movie. Like it was just a running gag. Like, yeah, my favorite episodes of get a life. The Chris Elliott show Mm -hmm. are when Chris dies. (laughs) (laughs) And then, right. Yeah. And then it's just like the next episode, he's alive again. Right. Yeah. It's a sort of early Simpsons kind of vibe of like, we learn nothing and nothing ever changes. Exactly. The, in, in the commentary, weird Al admits that he, there were a couple of times where they came up with gags that they now think they should have done and just didn't do yeah. because they thought they were too silly. And then nowadays admitting that they were being a little bit not self-aware in that mm. thinking that something in a Weird Al movie could be too silly exactly. or too corny. Uh, and there there are a couple of moments, and I think that that's a good example of one, but there are a couple of moments where even stuff that they don't mention in the commentary, I'm like, you could have, like... Like if the, if this up. if this was a Zucker Brothers movie, if this were Top Secret or if this were Aeroplane, there would be like <sighs> my favorite movie, Aeroplane. Aeroplane, yeah, that's how you say it, right? Uh, on the compound, that's how we call it, we call them. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the Zucker Brothers parody of the Neutral Milk Hotels in an aeroplane over the sea. Yeah, that's that's their parody film all about the the Arrow candy bars yes. in England. There are just a couple of bits where I'm like, why why wouldn't you put like a few more gags or like a few more interesting gags here? Like, there's the bit where he Indy takes the sand out of the bag to be like, I need to make sure this is uh, weighted the right uh, mm-hmm. weight, and so he does that. He does this, and I'm like, right there, that's a gag. Like, why are you? He just pulls sand out of it, and then I was like this is a Weird Al movie. Why isn't he pulling like Skittles out of that bag or some shit? Sure. He also said the main kind of gag that he wished he'd put more into the movie more was lampshading the fact that the plot is so rote. Gotcha. Making more fun of how stereotypical the plot is. And he said that when he saw Wayne's World, which came out a couple years later, yes. he was like, that's what I should have made. <laughs> And, of course, Wayne's World was much more successful, uh, which probably only made him think that more. But, yes. Yeah. so Oh, I'm sure he was stewing about it. I'm sure. sure every day he bought, he went to Blockbuster. He right. rented a copy of Wayne's World. Every day. Destroyed it. <laughs> and then they, they would be calling him and be like, I never rented Wayne's World. What the fuck is Wayne's World? <laughs> and then just like, then he'd like show up again the right. next day. And they'd be like, sir, you already have a copy of Wayne's World out. He'd be like, no. No, I don't. Give me this copy of Wayne's World. And they take it home and destroy that. And they're just calling every day. And every time he uses Elliot Gould's account with this thing. Weird Al's name in the movie is George, as I said before. George Newman. George Newman, which is a reference to Alfred E. Newman. Because Weird Al's a huge Mad Magazine fan. Of course he is. Of course he is. Very on brand for him. But uh, George is working at a burger joint with his best friend, Bob, mm-hmm. uh, who kind of looks like Sam Kinison. And I was... There's a lot of people who look like a lot of people in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is often apparent... The actor's real name is David Bow, and apparently he is often miscredited as David Bowie. I was thinking about that. I'm sure he is... I'm sure he's gone into a lot of meetings. Yes. And they're like... <laughs> You're not David Bowie. Yeah. And what he's like, the fuck yeah, is going no on. shit. There's at um, least one letterbox review I found where someone thought that they were about to watch a Weird Al David Bowie 
d- oh, yeah. double act movie and were very disappointed. Well, yeah, you would be. You would. Because that'd be the most amazing movie in the world. Would be incredible, yes. Where. <laughs> Weird Al like is holding a rubber chicken, and David <laughs> David Bowie's like, uh, "Oh, Alfred, that's so droll." It's just the 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 sex scene from Man Who Fell to Earth with the gun, except it's a rubber chicken. Yeah, and just Rip the Torn's still there. Rip Torn's still there. You see the head of his penis, <laughs> just like in the Man Who Fell to Earth. You just should like watch that it. movie because you seem to reference it a lot. Do I reference it a lot? This is at least a second reference. Oh, okay. I, it's a good I movie. Wasn't aware. No, I've, I've heard good things. But yes, so uh, George is, just has a really wild imagination. He's always and, like daydreaming. Yep, and it keeps getting him and presumably also... Um, His friend Bob. Bob. Yeah. Fired from jobs. When, so we're about to see when in probably one of the most off-brand, especially by today's standards for Weird Al moments in the film, Weird Al delivers some... Very obnoxious fat shaming comments. Yeah, about I mean he their... did do a song called "Fat." Yes, but at least in that one, the idea was making fun of himself for being fat. Okay, it's still fat shamey. It's still bad, but like in this one, it's just some lady named Big Edna who uh, owns the uh, burger joint that they were working in, and Weird Al makes some pretty offensive comments about her and she takes bob and weird al and chucks them out the door with superhuman strength Mm -hmm. they fly through the air and smash on the ground big edna is played by a local named nancy johnson sure who's only in two other movies uh she was not uhf2 and uhf3 exactly yes uh the direct-to-video sequels yes but according to al she was a uh, nice nice lady is how he i'm sure her. george and bob live together i also want to point out sure. that bob is apparently in the canton de pew movie rubber about a killer tire that's right i did find um, that out yes i i i've seen rubber Yes. I and granted it's thirty some not thirty, twenty some years after this, so I wouldn't recognize him and I Sure. I have no clue who he, who he fucking plays in rubber. But good that he has Great. some small part in rubber. Hey, he got to be he even after Canton Depew found out he wasn't working with David Bowie, he still <laughs> kept him on. <laughs> For, for Robert. It's like that time oh, that... Oh, hello, uh, killer time. It's like that time... It's very groovy what you're doing with your mind. It's that, that time that Bill Murray agreed to be in Garfield because he thought one of the Coen brothers was directing oh. it. <laughs> or writing it, whatever the fuck. But yeah, Bob and George... I thought you were going to say Bill Murray went to a meeting yeah. and they were disappointed that he wasn't Bill Moomy. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely happened. <laughs> that, that was the meeting... They originally wanted Bill Moomy for Ghostbusters. Right, yeah, of course. Uh, like, by, get me that kid from Twilight Zone. Written by Bill Murray's friend, Harold Ramis. Harold <laughs> uh, Ramis wrote Ghostbusters, right? Yes. yes. Okay, he, yeah. Harold Ramis he, was he like... co-wrote it with Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> another friend of Bill Murray's. Yes, they're like, oh, we should call him this Bill Moomy guy. <laughs> Lost in space! <laughs> You're so excited. And he's like, I'm busy making Superboy right now. I don't have time for you. I'm busy writing fish heads. (laughs) All love to Bill Moomies. Oh, yeah. No, that's what we're worried about. But, yeah, so George and Bob live together in an apartment in the same building and in a delayed scene establishes owned by Cooney, who runs Cooney's Karate School. Yeah. Cooney played by Gede Watanabe of 16 Candles fame. Oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, he's uh, that Long Duck Dong. Yeah, Long Duck Dong. Well, Never seen that movie. What's Happening Hot Stuff, that that guy. And uh, 
he, he in both Sixteen Candles and in this, he plays char- he plays characters that are borderline racist. Yeah, Cooney made me uncomfortable. Yeah, I uh, was. I um, sorry. Go his ahead. His introduction here did not make me uncomfortable. Wheel of Fish would make me uncomfortable. Gotcha. I was okay with the character of Cooney for the same reason I'm okay with the character of Uncle Remus in Song of the South. It's it's not that the character is not offensive. They clearly are. Yes. The performance of the actor is so good. And he's doing such a great sure, job. Sure, he and is he's giving a so lot. so funny. He's uh, giving a lot. He's he's not doing the same accent that he did in Sixteen Candles. That was a much more reserved performance because it's a John Hughes movie. But in in this one, he's just screaming constantly. He's just con- yeah, just doing a full and calling people stupid. Is calling people stupid? That's his like catchphrase. Stupid! You're so stupid. You are stupid. so stupid. I'm not even going to try and uh, no, don't do his the voice because I will break the microphone. Well, also will you shouldn't recover. do that voice. Sure, yes. Uh, I wasn't going to do the accent. I was just going to scream. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to scream like him. But yes, Gedi Watanabe is is great always, and thankfully I looked him up, and he's gotten to do a lot more not stereotypical, ra- oh. not racist parts. No, now if they want a character, someone to play a racist character, they get James Hong. Right, two broke girls. Anyway. Weird Al and Bob are, are in the apartment. They have a the famous, the now infamous Twinkie Wiener sandwich. Mm-hmm. Would you eat this? I would. I would try it once. Okay. But even Weird Al has said that people shouldn't try it. Yeah. Like he's no, it doesn't look good. He's he's had a few in his life. He said before he became a vegetarian, and he said that the best review, the most accurate review that he's ever heard of it is not as bad as you'd think. But that's still not exactly a glowing review. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be fine, but not yeah. particularly good. It's it's not something that I would spend a lot of time worrying about. But oh, is, I haven't tried a Twinkie Wiener sandwich. You know? It is a uh, Twinkie sliced long ways. Of course. And a hot dog yes. placed in it. And mm-hmm. then Easy Cheese, the squeeze, this aerosol cheese. Right put on top weird al says that if you do not have easy cheese you can substitute other kinds of cheese but only ones that are shot out of an aerosol can yes you cannot have any other kind of cheese that's not sprayed out of an aerosol can so that very important very important weird al's performance in the movie is uh fine i was gonna say not not great okay he's i mean he's just being weird al he's just being weird al. he's just being weird al but in moments where he is not called upon to deliver an over-the-top reaction his face just kind of like falls to a very sort of basic yeah face because the uh, director is probably not directing actors the way they should be maybe not i from what i understand the dir- jay Forget I forgot his surname. The director of the movie, Levy, I think Jay Levy, uh, is on the commentary a couple of times, and he said that his approach to making the film again, having never directed the movie before, was just making sure that the gags landed as best as they could. Okay, and most of the rest of acting, sort of blocking the shots, stuff like that he would leave up to committee and would just sort of be like, what what, what ideas do people have? Gotcha. And so Everyone think Al's doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. Weird Al agree, says, also agrees that his acting is not that great on the commentary and says that he only took a two-week 
acting crash course before making the movie. Okay. Apparently, did he teach that course? Because it's just... The guy who taught it was apparently a guy who directed a lot of episodes of Friends. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, George Newman has big Phoebe energy. <laughs> I, I would say Philo has the Phoebe energy in this okay. movie, if anyone does. Well, we'll do... At the end, <laughs> wait to hear our friend matchups. Right, yes. Uh, for which characters in this relate to which characters in Friends. Absolutely. So, George has to go admit that he was fired to his girlfriend, played by Terry. No. Uh, I'm sorry. The character is Terry. Sorry, his girlfriend... She is played by Victoria Jackson. Right. Who I used to have a big crush on during her SNL days. Victoria Jackson is a former SNL cast member. She seems to be one that SNL doesn't really ask back a lot. Yeah, because she's a conservative nutcase. Oh, is she? I did yeah, not know that. Okay. I just knew that she was not... SNL fans were not very... Didn't look back on her era with fondness. I uh, mean, she was like the Phil Hartman era. Okay. Not necessarily other people in her era. Her her sketches. Like okay. she, she has a lot of sketches that are just sort of weekend update segments, and all of them are about, like, just because I'm pretty doesn't mean I'm blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, it's basically the same gag over and over again, is what I've heard. The only... She is very attractive, though. She I'll give you that. She's a cutie. Yeah. Uh, and she's also a baby voice lady. Yes, yeah, she which is. Which I don't really care for. I like. Mm-hmm. I, I more prefer a huskier voice lady. Mm-hmm. But the only Victoria Jackson SNL skit I remember, mm-hmm. aside from her just generally looking attractive, mm-hmm. also I saw a stand up special where she played ukulele and sang a song. Cute. Uh, and uh, I think she did a handstand. Okay. Or a headstand. But she <laughs> Victoria Jackson is pregnant. Mm-hmm. And whoever the host is, for some reason, I feel like it was Jeff Goldblum. Sure. She she just keeps getting damaged to her stomach. <laughs> and also, like, doing shit that's bad for the baby. Like, right, yeah. oh, yeah, I'll have a cup of coffee, I'll smoke a cigarette. And, like, yeah. they break the door to a microwave, and she sticks her belly in it accidentally, <laughs> and they turn it on. I'm like, I think she ends up falling down the stairs at the end of the sketch. I'm like... Now that I'm thinking about it, this is really fucked up. This is really fucked this up. This is actually insane. It's insane that that, um, got, that made it to air. Holy <laughs> fuck. Like, <laughs> it's something whenever I see Victoria Jackson, I would always think yeah. about like, oh yeah, that sketch where her baby <laughs> keeps, keeps her fetus just keeps getting, getting like, like damaged. Just fucking wrecked. Um, Did you just have this moment of realization now that how fucked yeah. up this is? <laughs> Because I I watched it, like, when I was last, when I saw it, I think it was in, like, either middle school or high school, and I was just like, oh, baby's getting hurt. Right, okay, yeah, high school, you don't have the same perspective. Uh, Now I know that all life is precious. Right, yes. And that life begins at conception. Yes. And women are things. Okay. (laughs) You agree, that's all I need. You've been... I have it on record. (laughs) I see you've been a really big fan of Victoria Jackson uh, these last couple years. Yep. But uh, Victoria Jackson was also has a very brief moment in the commentary where she says her proudest thing about this role is that she beat Jennifer Tilly to the part. She did. Jennifer Tilly and Ellen DeGeneres auditioned. And according to Weird Al in the same commentary, also David Spade. Oh, okay. Yes, but that could be a joke. Again, it's hard to tell with Weird Al sometimes. Yeah. I think Jennifer Tilly would have been great in this role. Jennifer Tilly would have been incredible. She's always incredible. She's great. Oh, man. Uh, and she also pointed out that Weird Al seems to have cast, seemed to have gone for... 
attractive women with funny voices for both of the main lady parts yeah. in the film, which is mm, accurate. Lady parts. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I use my internet to look at pictures of. Mm, lady, lady parts. parts. <laughs> That's, Whenever that's a, like that's a, another part of the new intro we're putting together. Yeah. <laughs> some men are tit men, some men sure. are ass men. I just like lady parts. Lady parts. Terry tries to talk to him about his firing, but he's too distracted by parodying Close Encounters of the Third Kind to notice. Yes. Uh, making a big mountain out of some mashed potatoes. George attends a dinner party held by his aunt Esther, played by Sue Ann Langdon where he is still wearing his Big Edna's Burger World shirt. Why not? While there, his Uncle Harvey, played by Stanley Brock, who's a a prolific character actor. Stanley Brock, I can only assume that every day of his life, he walked out in the street, Mm -hmm. and people would approach him and be like, oh my god, Peter Boyle, I love you. (laughs) Oh my god, you're right. He sounds exactly like Peter Boyle, Yeah, and he looks pretty close to Peter Boyle. He's very close to Peter Boyle. It's kind of like that... Cop and Die Hard 2 that's like just Danny DeVito but slightly off. It's, sure. it's, it's so close. Uncle Harvey arrives announcing that he's just won ownership over a small UHF station in a card game because mm-hmm. Uncle Harvey's a... He's a gambling he's man. A gambling man. Lord, he was born a gambling man. He was. And he will, perhaps, we'll see, die a gambling man before oh, the end man. of this movie. Oh my yeah, god! I wish Chase's character. In, uh... I was just gonna say, <laughs> I wish that this movie ended with the same ending of Dirty Work, where they just sort of like, oh, oh a doctor, doctor, he, he died. died. <laughs> oh my god! I One of the best ending jokes to any movie in existence. Every like that there's... movie has a lot has, has issues, but like when it kills, it, it fucking oh kills. And... <laughs> The best thing that Chevy Chase was ever involved in yeah. is when he's talking about how uh, Mr. T cost him, like he lost big on Mr. T. And Norm's like, hold on, you bet against Rocky and Rocky 3. Hindsight is twenty twenty, my friend. <laughs> also, um, Weird Al throws a dog in a punch bowl. Yes. I like that. Okay. Uh, and also you can, you don't see like the dog's erect penis, but you can see the dog's penis. And I thought that should have been rated R for that. <laughs> The dog was supposed to jump into the punch bowl of its own accord. And it didn't, so... And it wouldn't for take after take after take. Al just fucking spikes it. just spiked it into the punch bowl. Spikes it, breaks the punch bowl, breaks the table. Apparently they did get permission from the animal safety people on set to do it, but they, yeah, they just... But it was 1989, and I'm sure it's like, as long as you weren't shooting the dog... Probably. They would be cool with whatever. They just threw this, this punch terrified dog into a punch bowl. Uncle Harvey says Channel 62, the station he's just won, has been on the verge of bankruptcy for years. Aunt Esther likes the idea of running a TV station and decides to give the job of managing the station to George. Mm -hmm. George is stoked and heads out to the station that very night with Terry to check it out. And this is where I noted, this is also unabashedly 80s Weird Al. Oh, yeah. Like, I think his sense of humor, aside from his racism and homophobia and, you know, everything we associate with 80s Weird Al, (laughs) the... The drug use, the right. murders. Right, yeah. Um, I think that's changed. Like, I, I feel like... But seriously, I feel like his comedy yeah. style has changed. I would agree with that. Uh, he still makes plenty of food jokes. Like, yes, one of my favorite, One of my favorite uh, songs off of the Mandatory Fun album was Foil, which is a... Foil's great. Which is a parody and of And that's Royals. not strictly about... 
food. No, but the first verse does talk uh, about is, food. does talk about food. But yes, continue. But I, I just mean it's it's much wackier. It's much more. Oh yeah. Like when we talk about the Weird Al voice, like, oh my god, yes, like yeah. it's very much there. Oh boy. Yeah, just it, it, this is this is definitely Dare to Be Stupid era yes. Al Yankovic. But they go to the uh, they go the to the TV station. studio. Uh, they, Station. they have a brief meeting with a, a part uh, which is credited as the bum mm-hmm. in the credits. I don't think that that's a term you're supposed to use anymore. I don't, honestly. But I don't we know. We haven't really gotten around to uh, respecting homeless people. That's true. Uh, we're on we're, terminology yet. We're working on it. We, uh, we will get there someday. I... Uh, I I think right. we can say bum. Okay, we'll I mean, we'll say bum. The bum is uh, played by this, this great character actor who I mostly know is playing a woman trying to get a autograph from David Lee Roth in the Just a Gigolo music video. Okay, in which he uses the same voice, which is great. But the part I thought you would be interested in this was written with Tracy Walter in mind. Was it because Weird Al is a big fan of Repo Man? Awesome, and saw him as Miller and was like, "I want that in my movie." He would have been great, and for I whatever mean, reason, it didn't work out. This this guy is great as this well. This guy is a great. He's, he's just a great job with his part. Uh, I also saw on Wikipedia that. Ginger Baker of the band Cream, which mm. Eric Clapton was in, oh. was interested in playing the bum. Okay. But they were like, no, thank you. Uh, there there were a lot of very big names and also just like, not necessarily big, but popular names yeah. that wanted to be in this movie that Weird Al lists off in the commentary. And some of them I'm, I'm like, I, I actually really like this cast. Some of the names, I don't know why and how they didn't get picked for the movie. Like, Jennifer Tilly's definitely one of them. Jennifer Tilly is, yeah. John Astin, who was the original Gomez from the 50s Adams Family, or 60s, whatever that, whenever that show came out, was up for one of the parts. And I don't know, I assume it was either Uncle Harvey or R.J. Fletcher. Either one, both parts are great in the movie. If John Astin wants to be in your movie, put John Astin in your movie. Sure. Holy shit. That guy's hilarious. But anyway, two gags come that I really enjoy. Sure, go right ahead. Succession. <clears throat> Al goes up to the door of the station mm-hmm. and finds that it's unlocked. He says, "The front door's open. It's a friendly place." <laughs> That's a really good one, yeah. <laughs> and what happens with the bum is the bum says, "You got change. You yeah. got change." And Al gives him like a dollar in coins mm-hmm. and the bum gives him a dollar back like he <laughs> like, thank you just <laughs> one change for a dollar i that is a good one that's that's a really good gag but he's inside they see the station is basically surviving off of being nick at night playing a lot of reruns of 60s sitcoms that weird al himself probably grew up on probably like mr ed which they're playing at the moment and beverly hillbillies which we see later Mm -hmm. and that uh at least a lot of the portion of the station that they are in when they first come in in this episode uh is taken up by a mad scientist laboratory run by spooky ass philo philo and like, I'm assuming that Philo, the name, is a reference to Philo T. Farnsworth, uh, an early television pioneer. That's exactly right. Yeah. So they, they named him after that. And he's played by a guy who I guess is extremely popular among General Hospital fans. Yes, Anthony he Geary. played a rapist. Did he? Yeah. All uh, I know is his character was named Luke. The whole, like, this is something I learned off of, like, VH1 shows. Okay. I think Luke and Laura was this whole plot line where Luke raped Laura. Mm. And then they got married. 
I do remember hearing about Luke and Laura. Like, that was, like, it, when people joke about General Hospital, Luke yes. and Laura comes up a lot. So apparently, yeah, no, he's a big, big deal. They originally didn't even want to see him for the part because of his reputation as being, yeah. like, a handsome guy on a show. They're like, that's not who Philo is. But he really wanted to read for it. He came in, he... And he does a great job. He's the, fantastic. He's like he's one of the highlights of the movie in some parts, where he's just sort of, hi, I'm Philo, like like doing. And mm-hmm. he's, he does an incredible job. The part, the person they originally wanted for the part, uh, wasn't written for him like it was for uh, the other guy I just mentioned. But uh, the guy who they wanted for the part was Joel Hodgson. That's right. And he turned them down, saying he didn't want to be in show business anymore. Oh, really? And then a couple of years later made MST3K anyway. <laughs> Wikipedia said that he didn't think he was a good enough actor. Okay, I can uh, see that But too. I can see Joel being and, great in this part. And again, this is according to Weird Al, who goes back and forth between joking and being serious in the commentary so often that it is legitimately difficult to tell what, he, what are lies and what are truths. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it could be they just, like, didn't have confidence in his acting ability. I also know that part of the reason why he left being the host of MST3K halfway through that show is because he never wanted to be the host in the mm. first place, and he just sort of ended up there. And it showed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm a Mike guy. I know, it's I okay. don't agree with his politics, but I like him. Oh, does Mike have bad politics, too? Yeah, he's a conservative. Shit! I'm learning so many disappointing facts today. Philo is the chief engineer at the station. Also, and he has an interocitor. Yes. Which is a reference to This Island Earth. Another movie famously covered by MST3K. Yes. He's a chief engineer, and he just kind of lives at the station. Uh, the next day, George recruits Bob, and they go back to the station to meet the first actor in a while that I've actually heard of, uh, Fran Drescher, mm-hmm. uh, playing the station receptionist Pamela Finkelstein, yes. and just Fran Drescher-ing it up all over the place. Mm, I love Fran Drescher. She's uh, an attractive lady. She's a very attractive lady. She's also very talented and hilarious. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Fran says, I'm sure you're right. <laughs> she seems to be having a lot of fun with this role, oh, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, she's doing a great job. She's, she's this uh, receptionist. She's basically uh, like an exaggerated Fran Drescherized version of Janine from Ghostbusters. Where sure. She's, she's she's working at this uh, this receptionist job. She's been working there for a while, and she just wants to get on the news. She wants to be a newscaster. Mm-hmm. And she, and uh, when Weird Al comes in and says... He's hey, the new manager. I'm the new manager. She freaks out and delivers this whole monologue, delivering her whole backstory. And he says, and this is my friend Bob. The post office accidentally sends a package to them that's meant to go to channel eight did we miss the baby seal thing yes that does happen right here so okay. uh, just go over that real quick nothing i just i laughed out loud uh, i laughed out loud it's it's a during the scene there's a commercial on tv where a, a car salesman named crazy eddie is like if buy all these cars or i'm gonna club this baby seal he's like we have red cars we have green cars and he's like if you don't buy a car i'm gonna club this baby seal I'll do it. I'm crazy. (laughs) I laughed out loud. That's a straight up whitest kids you know joke right there. Sure, I mean, Uh, they have a happened 15 years before whitest kids you know, but sure, it's their joke. No, but I mean, like it's it's their no. Weird Al stole their joke. You're right. There's a there's a whitest kids you know. I bet he killed Trevor Moore too. (laughs) Oh Jesus! He was getting. He was about to out him. Right. Of course, he was about to blow open the whole operation. But there's a sketch where Trevor Moore. 
is playing a... Uh, oh, man, it's been a while since I've had to edit out you talking about a Waitest Kids You Know sketch. Sure. person that they wanted to play, I believe it was Philo, but I'm not sure. Sh- or no, it was, I think it was Michael Richards' part in this movie, was a guy who played uh, Mr. World in American Gods. Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. Yes. And so they, they approached Crispin Glover for that part. They gave him the script. Crispin Glover read the script and said he would only agree to do the movie if he didn't play any of the parts they were offering him and instead played Crazy Eddie. <laughs> and they said, we're just not looking at you for that part, Crispin. I'm sorry. Aww. And so he didn't end up doing the movie. Anyway, the post office accidentally sends a package to them that's meant to go to Channel 8. George decides to deliver it himself and scope out the competition, introducing us to, when I first watched this movie, my favorite character in the film, now mm-hmm. just one of uh, many, R.J. Fletcher, played by the iconic Kevin McCarthy. Is he iconic? Yes. I don't think I've seen him in anything. Uh, he's iconic to me, anyway. He's He was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He was the lead in the original of that. He also had a cameo in the remake with Donald Sutherland. He was in several episodes of The Twilight Zone, along with over 200 other credits that he's had across his, his long career. Yeah, fuck him. I never heard of him. <laughs> uh, What's his name, R.J. McCarthy? <laughs> sure. <laughs> fuck him. Uh, Is he Bon Jovi? <laughs> bon Jovi? Where did that come from? I don't know. Just ask him. <laughs> Just ask him. I asked a tough question. <laughs> I came into your apartment to ask tough questions. Is R.J. McMurphy Bon Jovi? No, I can honestly fuck say- him. Okay, <laughs> spit on his grave. I assume he was buried right here. Since you love him so much. Uh. Uh, but yeah, Kevin McCarthy is a fantastic actor. Done a lot of he's work. Great in this part, and he's doing, and he's mm-hmm. hamming the fuck out of this performance. Doing and a great job. If he was in Twilight Zone, I pr- definitely have seen him. I'm right, sure. Yeah. So that's why he looked familiar. And then sure. when I went to see if he was in anything, I knew mm-hmm. he's great. I love him whenever he shows up and stuff. He he's playing to the cartoonish nature of the movie's world perfectly. He reads the riot act to a janitor there, play uh, Stanley Spadowski played by a pre-Seinfeld Michael Richards. And I'm going to say it right now. Sure. Michael Richards is the best part of this movie. I don't think it's even a question. Okay. I, yeah, it's, yeah he's, no, it's... He's, he's, he's I, so good. I Michael Richards is is has it's, done I, some things that we're not going to condone, but like here's he's my note. legitimately it talented. says, oh man, it's a real shame Michael Richards said the N-word 20 years later. <laughs> Because he's fucking brilliant in this role. Yeah. More brilliant than as Kramer, I'd say. Like, Kramer's iconic. Like, mm-hmm. everyone loves Kramer. Kramer's funny. Sure. But here he's just... He is so good mm-hmm. that, like, my constant thought is like, oh my god, I hope he's having fun. Yes. And I hope he loved doing this. Like I Like, it's so good that I want him to be enjoying it as much as I am. He makes some appearances on the commentary. Uh, they they have like various people cycle Pops in and out. Yeah, call and some black people the N word. He does. Yes, says he's gonna stick a fork in their ass. That's right. Hang them from a tree. Exactly. Yes. Uh, strange. St- strange fruit. Yep. But, uh, but oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> After he made those comments, he went on Letterman and read "Strange Fruit" as an apology. Exactly. But no, he he uh, he shows up in the con- and from what he was saying, he seems to 
really have a lot of fondness for the work that he did in the movie. He seems like he had a lot of fun doing it. He does an incredible performance here. He is wearing false teeth on his top bridge that were teeth he made himself and brought <laughs> to the audition. <laughs> okay, okay, like, then he did dig this shit. He, like, he, had, this he shit. had a concept for the character going in. Like, I, he, I read on Wikipedia that like he originally his agent turned it down because he had Bill's palsy. Really? Um, All right. But then he auditioned and just fell right into the character. Yeah. No, he's he's absolutely perfect. It was kind of weird to have Michael Richards saying, George, 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 I got an idea, like later on in the movie. <laughs> it was kind of weird to, to hear that. But uh, he's doing an incredible job. Uh, he's, he's just a really talented comedian. It sucks. Physically, that... uh, it, this is great character work. Granted, absolutely. Granted, it could be argued that this character is just like... A character of a mentally handicapped person. Sure. That is something that I occasionally dipped into, like, mm-hmm. concern. It's never been... No one calls him the R-word. No. And it, he just seems like a goofball. It's never... But, the, the specter of that is never brought up. I think that the idea with his character is to more evoke a sort of, like, uh, Chico or Harpo Marx kind of character. Sure. Where it's just like, hey, he's a dumb guy. He's the dumbest guy. He's the dumbest guy. And, and he's he, a weirdo. And then Michael Richards added on the, like, the the little character bits of, like, his laugh is like this... <laughs> sort of, like, Hanna-Barbera kind of thing. Sure. And I think that the combination of those elements raises an awkward specter in modern day. Yeah. Uh, and just sort of the tone of I don't think that his... that was at all their intention. The tone of his... his like, it's mostly his voice. Yes. It, yeah. it just has a ring of a stereotypical... Yeah, he's he's got a very sort of, of where did he go, George? Where did he go? Sort of um, thing going on. But yes, yeah, so... yeah. But I want to say something. Yeah, go ahead. It was always planned that Weird Al would be the straight man for this movie, which I find fascinating. Like, I, I'm, I'm... Yeah. Like, I find it really interesting that, like, okay, it's Weird Al's movie. Weird Al's the funny guy. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to be the funny guy. Yeah. This guy's going to be the funny guy. Right. And he's not just the funny guy, but as we're going to see, Stanley is the guy who saves the station. Stanley it's nothing is that George the hero does. of the movie. He is. Yeah. He really is. He fully is. Like, this This um, movie is almost, almost, not quite, but almost more, if we're talking about a story at all, Stanley's story than it is George. It really is. George's, and yeah. I find that fascinating. And I also think it's a thing of, like, Weird Al sort of demurring and being like, I don't want to, like, I'm going to, I'm going to give someone else the chance. I think that that's um, correct because, again, he does seem to be someone who is self-aware enough to know where he is deficient. Yes. And he seemed, again, he, he took a crash course on acting, uh, apparently something that the studio made him take. But he, I think he's, he's aware of, even at the time he was probably aware of himself enough that he was like, I don't. I'm not going to be, like, a big star coming out of this. The All the stuff with, like, calling him the new Woody Allen and everything happened after the movie was testing well. When he was actually making the movie, he just thought he was making a fun thing with his friends. Yeah. But, but a lot of Stanley's lines feel like things that Weird Al would say. Sure. Like, in character as Weird mm-hmm. I never watched the Weird Al show. Neither have I, but I ha- I've seen some segments. Like, he has this recurring segment that he started doing on YouTube again a couple of years ago where he takes existing interviews with celebrities, cuts them up, and then adds his own questions to make them silly. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but, like, I felt... While I was watching, I was like, oh, yeah, this is Weird Al's humor, 100%. Absolutely. This, like, you can... I'm sure this was heavily... Like, he had a lot to do with the writing. It, it always felt like... I just respect that, that Weird Al was like, no, I'm not going to be a Weird Al. <laughs> 
I'm going to be George. Yeah. And he even, he, it's, it's also, again, t- talking about, like, him being aware of, like, where his strengths were. Sure. When he and his manager slash director got together to write the script, he, they divvied up the work where the director would write most of the story things, and he would write the sketch comedy parts. Because he was like, I know how to do gags. I know how to do little gotcha. gags. You, I, I trust you to know more how to tie this all together. So I don't know why he trusted him with that. Because again, the guy had never done that before. And but I think he just didn't. I would argue he didn't do it this time either. I think that it was more a question of Al not trusting himself with that sure. part of things. It's like yeah. Weird Al, whenever he's handed a gun. Right. Which I'm sure he gets after every concert. Fans just give him guns. Right. He's like... I don't trust Cause of myself. Because so- of the song Trigger Happy. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and Christmas the, at Ground Zero. Right. And the one gag in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Weird Al gets the gun. Yes. And he immediately turns it into a cop. Just and that cop uses it to shoot a dog mm-hmm. or a black person. Right. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Stop standing on the sidelines, Weird Al. Join the movement. Yeah, Weird Al. <laughs> if Fred Hampton were still alive, I bet he'd be like having powwows with Weird Al every day and being like... <laughs> We need you out there. Oh my we god! We need you out there. We yeah. need your resistance. We need write a parody song that's gonna move the people. Move the people. Don't just stand up against the the power of Twin Peaks. As that was a weird thing. We were just like listening to Weird Al songs from back in the day, and he suddenly just ragging on Twin Peaks and one really? song. And I'm what, like, fuck off, song? dude. Is a song called "I Can't Watch This" based on a uh, uh, "Can't um, Touch This." He's just ragging on everything that's on TV. He's playing a character who just hates everything that's on TV. Gotcha. And he has one line where he's like, "Twin Peaks sucks. Those uh, coffee drinking dorks can uh, kiss my butt or something like that." Gotcha. It's a very quick gag, but yeah, don't stand up against Twin Peaks. Stand up against the man. Yes. Yeah, so R.J. Fletcher reads the riot act to Stanley Spadowski and fires him for something that's completely not his fault. He's he's thrown out. And uh, his mop is taken. And his mop is taken. Uh, that's my mop! On the way out, uh, George in, encounters uh, R.J. and makes the mistake of calling him that, R.J., yep. and is also thrown out after being accused of stealing Fletcher's mail. Mm-hmm. George encounters Stanley as they're both being tossed out of the building. Uh, and yes, yeah, Stanley's mop is taken away from him. And Stanley says the mop was a gift to him on his eighth birthday, yep. and he has never been apart from it. George offers... Have you ever had such a mop in your life? I must admit I've never had a mop that meant as much that much to me. Never had that powerful a connection to any sort of maintenance device. Gotcha. Yeah. I've only ever been attached to those mop-top Liverpudlians the Beatles. <laughs> oh, God, if man. any of them should die, I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> I have I have a very serious conversation we I need to have with you after the show. Oh no! <laughs> uh, George offers Stanley a job as a janitor at his station and immediately earns Stanley's undying loyalty. Yep. Uh, Stanley loves to clean. Stanley loves to clean. I don't know if he loves to clean that. He just loves being a janitor. Yes, it's it's a job that he's has a has a large amount of esteem in his eyes. Yes. Uh, off screen, Pamela has been promoted to a news anchor, mm-hmm. as she's always dreamed, and is out in the field trying to do a live broadcast of a mayoral press conference with cameraman Noodles. Noodles McIntosh. Noodles McIntosh, played, played by, by Billy, Billy Barty. Billy Barty. 
uh, potentially the only actor in the cast with more credits than Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> uh, his career goes back all the way to the 1920s. Yes, he was in Gold Diggers of 1933. Yes, he which was. I've seen. I, I don't remember a little person in it, but I'm sure, sure there was. I, I watch mean, a lot of movies. He had a lot of roles as children in early oh, in his career. Oh, okay. So he may have been that, in, including uh, in a movie that's very near and dear to my heart, Bride of Frankenstein, yeah. as uncredited baby. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's the saddest kind of baby. <laughs> the baby that's not paid SAG. Mm-mm. Also, because I don't think SAG existed in the 30s. Probably not. The other TV news reporters are cruel and trip noodles and make sexist remarks at Pamela. Mm-hmm. She calls to complain R.J. Fletcher just eggs them on. They say broad shouldn't be in broadcasting. And yes. R.J. Fletcher says, I told them never to call bro- chicks broads. That's right, yes. At this point, the movie moves away from having a plot and instead starts using the TV station plot device as an excuse to do a series of comedic sketches like we mentioned. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, this is where the movie finally kind of really gets going. Okay. Like, the all the best parts of the movie for me are when they just kind of give up on telling the story and just focus on, like, the bits. Yeah. Right off the bat, George is running a talk show called Town Talk. Where he oh, tra- Town Talk is great. Town Talk is great. Where he tries to talk to interesting people around town. Unfortunately, all he has right now is a sh- shop teacher, a stand-up comic, Emo Phillips, as we talked about earlier. Not playing Emo Phillips, not playing himself. No, no. playing a shop teacher. Hi, George. Uh, Emo Phillips has an incredibly distinct voice, yes. which neither of us can do. Uh, uh, I thought that like a, I, I was Southern Baptist. What kind of Southern Baptist are you? That's pretty close. Thank you. Emo Phillips cuts off his thumb by accident in a table <laughs> saw accident and underreacts. Yes. Does <laughs> so not deliciously. There's a, a portly black cameraman yes. who mugs constantly through the movie. Played by the same actor who, in the fat music video, challenges Weird Al. Can, are, are you fat? Are you really fat? Gotcha. That guy. Um... Yeah, he he has some good mugging. Some great reaction shots. But emo feel like, and there's blood squirting everywhere, like it's a lone wolf and cub movie. Um, And (laughs) it covers if it was actually that much, like (laughs) like a full gout of blood as opposed to a little spritz. Yeah, so we actually get a great, obvious bit, but still fucking works. So good. Uh, Emo's own face is covered with blood, and he goes, "Why is my face red?" Uh, Emo Phillips stops in for the commentary for two seconds yeah. to proclaim that he's a methadone actor. Oh, uh, funny. Very, very Emo Phillips joke. Also, apparently, when uh, Weird Al was going through the depression that came after the failure of this movie, Emo Phillips cheered him up by telling him that critics needed to review comedies by facing their back to the screen and looking at the audience and seeing if they laughed or not. And gotcha. that by met that metric, he'd made a great movie. I thought you were going to say when Weird Al was going through the divorce. <laughs> when he divorced Natalie Wood. <laughs> think you might be getting your, uh, your Hollywood royalty mixed up there. No, Weird Al pushed Natalie Wood off a boat, right? Oh, no, no. You know, I, I, do re- I, I do remember this, yes. Yeah, you know, you're right. Uh, we get one of my favorite bits in the movie, uh, Spatula City. Spatula City is hilarious as well. It's incredible. A, uh, an outlet store that only sells spatulas. Uh, one of Weird Al's favorite stories to tell in talk shows is that he met two fans who were in love and they had both gotten matching spatula tattoos because there's oh. a line in the commercial where, uh, they say, what better gift for someone you love than a spatula? 
and apparently they broke up a couple weeks later. But oh, that you know, sucks. Weird Al. <laughs> I bet Weird Al fucked that chick. Uh, he fucked them both. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, George. Well, then they should have been able to get over it because they both both cheated. That's true. That's true. Uh, it was a. It was. Now a, I'm imagining a horrible Rocky Horror pasty. Yes. Where Weird Al. <laughs> Weird Alice Frankenfurter. <laughs> Weird horror Let's show. eat a time wrap again. <laughs> it's just a crunch to the left. <laughs> and then a bite to the right. Oh, my God. Uh, George attempts to host his own kid's show called Uncle Nutsy's Clubhouse. Yeah. And here's where, if it were actually Weird Al, he wouldn't mm-hmm. do great at it. Sure. But because it's George and George is a flop, he's yeah. not good at it. He's George is trying desperately to be Weird Al and it's just yeah. not working out. Which is an interesting take for it this is. movie. Uh, I don't think you're giving Alfred enough credit here with his performance. Yeah. There's layers to it. It's like the scene in... He's not just doing himself. He's doing someone right. who wants to be him. It's like the scene in Steel when Shaq says that he can't do free throws. Sure. Yeah. It's a it's a big uh, thing. Uh, anyway, Uncle Nutsy's Clubhouse is actually a name stolen from Mad Magazine again. Oh, it's yeah? It's the name of an article that... Uh, a repeating segment in Mad Magazine that Weird Al really liked, so... He, Use it in the movie. Another hilarious commercial comes up, Plots R Us. I don't recall this one. This is a cut-rate uh, cemetery. With a oh, whole... that's right. They... For whatever reason, when you said plots, I was thinking about how this movie doesn't have one. <laughs> and I was like, did Maybe I Maybe the this... movie should have stopped by Plots R Us. And I was like, is this a meta joke I missed about <laughs> writing? Um, no, no. They just go by a cemetery and there's a whole bunch of limbs and body parts sticking out of the dirt because they don't bury them right. Uh, we get Mark a- Twain would be so angry. <laughs> uh, we get an actual Weird Al song and music video, his mm-hmm. Money for Nothing parody, Beverly Hillbillies. Yep. One of the two artists on that song, Mark Knopfler, gave permission for the parody and said that he would allow for the parody only if they let him play the guitar on the song. I was wondering. I was wondering if the Dire Straits fellas... It is uh, actually him playing it. Oh, wonderful. It is actually him playing the guitar. Uh, Weird Al said that the original track they'd recorded before he made that request was actually more accurate to the original really? song than <laughs> what he played, but he was like, fine, it's him. So it's fucking Mark fuck Knopfler. It. It, fuck it, yeah. Um, uh, and also, this allows you to listen to Mark Knopfler play that great riff without having the F slur. True, true. <laughs> I love Money for Nothing so much. It's a great song. It's an amazing song. It just has that F slur. That has that And bit. granted, yeah. that is not Mark Knopfler saying that. True. It is the character that he is singing as saying it. Okay. A very blue collar sure. person who sees people with long hair. Right. And thinks that kind And of reacts thing. that way. Yes. Still not great. Not great. As <laughs> because, Not good. Um, they play that song at work and they cut that part out. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. And in this, the F slur is replaced with Clampet. Right. <laughs> that again. little Clampet's got a, his own jet airplane. That little Clampet, he's a millionaire. Uh, it's it's a it's a pretty great parody of uh, Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, the station is, despite all their efforts, still bleeding money and will be out of business by the end of the week. And on top of everything, George forgets Terry's birthday. Oh, no. And even announces her birthday on the TV. On the TV. Yeah, he, he so, asks her out to a dinner date that he doesn't show up for on the air. Uh, and uh, she ends up breaking up with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, George is too depressed to do the Uncle Nutsy show. And he, he, he goes out there and delivers a big monologue about how depressed he is and how yes. much life sucks, which is great. 
and then he leaves in the middle and just like throws it to Stanley, it who to Stanley. happens to be there, and is just like, "Why don't you host the show?" Whatever. Stanley goes, and Stanley's like, "Oh, okay." And uh, George and Bob go to the bar. George and Bob go to the bar. Here, I don't have a lot of notes for this movie. That's it, okay. It's, it's hard to talk about comedies. It's very um, hard to talk. It's, it's hard to say like, "Hey, this is funny. This was this wasn't." Yeah, you know, that's right. So yeah, no, we're, we're without probably just like be, rehashing the jokes. We're probably gonna be speeding through a lot of the plot at this point. I noted that the man behind the bar looks like Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> Uh, apparently Francis Ford Coppola did visit the set so did he? maybe cameo uh, I don't it, know it'd be odd. Like, what the fuck was he doing there apparently he was friends with someone who was working with him oh I think <laughs> I saw on the Wikipedia I didn't read the section but they might have been filming the outsiders there at the same time uh, possibly yeah it's 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 hard they, they had a lot of people working on their film that were friends of other people they thought they were going to be able to get a Sylvester Stallone cameo for later yeah uh, and uh, that just didn't happen but everyone in the bar is going Going nuts because they happen to be tuned into U sixty two. Yes, and Stanley is fucking killing it. Stanley, just by being himself, is an instant success. He inspires the world with a network parody speech. Yes, he's like this dirty. This floor is dirty, dirty as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. And this is where the thing I was alluding to earlier. Uh, most of Stanley's TV show monologues, because from this point on, they decide that. Since Stanley was such a hit, he should host the show going every forward. Day, he's every the day, every flagship. His show is on every day. Every day, flagship show. It's not just for kids anymore. It's for kids and adults. Before we just saw a lot of bored kids in the studio audience for Al's version, for George's version. I'm sorry. In this version, uh, the Stanley version of the show, there are kids, there are adults. Doctor Demento's in the audience. Doctor Demento set is scene. in the audience. Uh, he's just a huge hit. Uh, but most of his monologuing and his bits that he has uh, on the show are completely improvised by Michael Richards. Really? With the exception... Because this is the shit that feels super weird out. With the exception of the network parody part. They like, this is where you end. And okay. they're like... Go off, my friend. <laughs> okay. Because they, like, they knew what they had with Michael Richards. They That's were like, great, and he is just do so it. fucking good. Yeah. Yeah, George offers, says, Stanley, you're going to host this show every day. And Stanley says he will do it as long as they let him stay the janitor. And George has it. no problem with that. Love it. Love it. It's a great character thing. Yeah. It's a great bit of character. Bob says that if they have a few more shows that my notes app autocorrected to shoes. So a few more shoes like Stanley's really shoe. Really big shoes. Your, your phone is just doing an uh, Ed Sullivan impression. There it is. They just need a couple more shows that can bring them the same kind of success that Stanley's getting. And George, of course, has some ideas that we see presently starting right off the bat with apparently something that made you uncomfortable. Wheel of Fish. Well, before that, mm-hmm. here's what I don't understand. Like, here's my okay. big... I don't give a shit that the movie doesn't have a strong plot. Sure. I don't give a shit that it's a string of bits. Here's what bothers me. Mm-hmm. Is George was producing shows before... Sure. ...that flopped. Yes. And now his shows are big hits. Mm-hmm. Right, like, what happened? Like, why Why is he the magic man now? I think the implication, especially given the way that the art goes forward, it could be better explained. But I think that the implication is that when he started doing shows, it was all just him. Gotcha. He was doing the talk show. He was doing the stand, the, the Uncle Nutsy's clubhouse or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always him, and he was not making it work. So... Once he's trusted Stanley to do the show, the show took off. So I think that the implication is that he goes to all of the 
weird and wacky, wonderful people that he knows in his life mm. and are like, hey, why don't you come and put oh. your personality on the show? Okay. So, like, of course, he immediately goes to Cooney. He immediately goes to Philo. He immediately goes to all of his friends and is like, hey, let's let's show you guys off. Okay, I sort of get that. Sort of um, points towards the uh, the very kind of community based message of the movie in the in mm. the in the third act of of the station being yeah, it's the, all very the, anarchist. The it's people very, station, uh, yeah. There are people who do read the movie that way. I mean, I can see it. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we get the Wheel of Fish segment. I like most of Wheel of Fish. <clears throat> I like a lot of Wheel of. Fish. I like uh, I like almost all of Wheel of Fish. I just Cooney sort of goes off the deep end where he's really uh I mean he isn't he is a Japanese gentleman. He is. But I feel like he's really playing into what people wanted Asian people to do in film at the time. Okay. Very strongly. What is that that you're referring to? Like just use I don't want to do the voice. You don't have to do the voice, but, but just like, like you stupid, you stupid, yeah, you stu-, and just like very shrill, very like he never uses bad English. It's always he, he just says you stupid. No, he doesn't. He says stupid. You are so. He says okay. you're so stupid. I don't know. It just something about his his histrionics. Sure, okay. towards the end, just was like no. I was fine with Cooney's first appearance. Sure. I was just like, this is... Because he was throwing people out of windows. He was throwing people out of yeah. windows. It was like it was tracks. Right. And I just... It was fine, but something about this, it was just too much for me. It was like, this is not aged well. I I really enjoy this scene. Again, I, I, I think that the actor uh, is doing an incredible job. Sure. You're also a big fan of Charlie Chan movies, though. <laughs> uh... Oh, I don't know where to go with that. Uh, but yeah. Oh, are you? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Uh, but uh, I was just like, do I play into that? Do I deny it? I don't know where to go with that. But uh, so, but yeah, Cooney has this line that was an internet meme for a while, especially among the circles of the internet that I was in in high school, of just that the bit where the contestant played by a local uh, who does a great job for someone yeah. who's apparently not a professional actress, has the option to go with the red snapper fish that's mm-hmm. on the wheel or what's in the box. They pull, She picks the box, they pull up the box, there's nothing there. And he says, you pick the box and you got nothing! Absolutely nothing! Stupid! You're so stupid! And that that line delivery i will be in a nursing home i will have forgotten my own name and it will be still burned and playing over and over again in my brain yeah, i like it it I lives like rent it. free in my head the box gag is hilarious it is it's, uh, it just the performance got a little off track for me and i felt i get it i felt that granted i don't know sure i'm just assuming i was like the actor died a little bit i don't know it's it's but, hard uh, it's hard to tell the thing about Wheel of Fish is the prize is your body weight in fish. Right. And the contestant we see spin the Wheel of Fish is a recur like, uh, the current champion. One, there doesn't seem to be anything you need to do to win the fish, aside from spin the wheel and choose the fish and not yeah. the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And two, that's so much fish. <laughs> that's so much fish, <laughs> and it's going to go bad. No one has yep. that sp- stored space. 
speaking of fish going bad, yeah, they used real fish in this scene. Oh when no! They shot it. They just on the wheel. On the wheel, all the fish. That's real fish. That is cheaper than making a model. Exactly. They didn't have the money for fake fish. They put them on the wheel. They they literally went to the supermarket, just bought a whole bunch of fish, tacked them to the wheel. They changed the line to red snapper at the last second because it was supposed to be swordfish, and they mm. couldn't find one at the local grocer. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. I've... <laughs> So, I hope they ate those fish. I don't like think the Native so. Americans would do for their sketches because they <laughs> for their sketch comedy. Jokes. They would use every part of the set. <laughs> At the uh, uh, apparently the under the hot lights and also in the middle of summer that that set started to smell pretty quickly. Wasteful. Yeah. Wasteful. Yep. Waste. Waste. He's called. She could call him wasteful. Al. Fuck you, pescatarians. <laughs> uh. Yes, uh, Philo gets his own show called Secrets of the Universe, where he That's teaches you... right, I barely remember this. It, it barely shows up, but he does teach you how to make plutonium with how oh, that's common household right. items. That's right, that it, it's not really a full sketch, it's just the intro. Where just a like, brief segment, yeah. yeah. We get another show called Raoul's Wild Kingdom. This is goddamn unhinged. Yes, this is starring actor, wild. Starring actor Trinidad Silva as Raoul. This segment comes right the fuck out of nowhere... And leaves almost as soon as it enters. The reason why is very sad. Yes. The actor was supposed to have a bigger part in the movie. He had like a full arc, including a bit where uh, some characters were about to discuss get revenge on him. He shot the two scenes that he's in in this movie and then was killed in a car accident. Yes. Uh, and the movie is dedicated to his memory. But for the two scenes... And they, they thought about recasting the part, but they... Again, uh, Weird Al seems like someone who wears his heart very much on his yeah. sleeve. He couldn't bear to do that to Trinidad, and also we would be we would have lost these incredible scenes. Yes. <laughs> now, not to be reductive and yes. just compare him to other uh, Hispanic actors. Sure. This is what Michael Pena desperately wants to be. Sure, yeah. This is like what Michael Pena is striving for in like the Ant-Man movies, I feel. This is definitely like, a stronger um, comedic performance than I have ever seen Michael Pena deliver. Yes. <laughs> I will give you uh, that. He is good in the Dora movie. Okay. He has, he has some still good have deliveries him. in the Dora movie. We'll probably do it for the show someday. Sure. But also like good John Leguizamo. Oh, I disagree. I think John Leguizamo is great. I haven't seen like a lot of his comedic work. Okay. To be fair. Sure. But I just, like, have been vaguely annoyed by his presence since the 90s. Okay. Based on mostly nothing. Sure. Honestly, uh, I guess I should examine this bias I, deeper. I don't know. But anyway. Sure. Trinidad Silva is fan-fucking-tastic. He's so and good. And this is goddamn unhinged. So good. It's He has a wildlife show. That he that's runs out of his of, own apartment. Yes. Uh, and, he, and he just... Pulls out animals, he delivers a couple of genuine facts about them, and then does something horrible to them. It's <laughs> so like, this is a sea turtle, explains a whole bunch of interesting facts about sea turtles. Also, their nature's suction cup. Rubs some spit on it, throws it against the wall. <laughs> then he has an ant farm. And this is so fucked up. Like It's, it's so bad. It's not even the most fucked up thing in the scene, but like I was genuinely upset by this. <laughs> He takes the ant farm and he's like, yeah, you'll see ants will dig these tunnels. It takes and, them so long to do it. They hate it when you do this. And he shakes it up. and I'm, My note is literally, in caps, 
poor ants. Yeah, like holy um, fucking shit. Because I'm shit. sure that was a real ant farm. I mean, I think that in the in the close up, it definitely is. I they had they did have animal cruelty people on set. That's good. I don't think that the one he shakes up was an animal was was a real ant. Good. Farm. I'm glad. I really doubt that. Although during the scene, I started to think about ant farms, which I haven't since I was eight. Sure. Um. Yeah. I was like. It's a fucked up concept because they hit plastic pretty fast and then they're just like, oh, this is my world. <laughs> yeah, I hope no. someone gives me some sugar water. The whole, the, uh, there's a moment in the Animorphs books where they turned into ants and the horror of the existence of ants as depicted in the Animorphs books has yeah. like stayed in my mind ever since. It was like absolutely traumatizing. What upsets me is I know that out in the greater cosmos, interplanetary, intergalactic, uh, right. there are ant farms because we have, as humans, have experienced the alien ant farm. Right. And their cover of Smooth Criminal. Yes, of course. So we know they exist. Yes. Out among the stars. Smooth Criminal, song by Michael Jackson, Weird Al, canceled the tour opening for Michael Jackson to make this movie. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> Apparently, he and Michael Jackson were very good friends when Michael Jackson was alive. I 100% believe that Michael Jackson would love Weird Al. Like, oh, absolutely. Is, like, and I'm sure Weird Al visited the ranch a lot. I'm sure he brought guests with him. <laughs> if you know what I'm implying. I, I, I have a pretty good idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish that we had cameras for that. Uh <laughs> Uh, and I'm not going to explain it on Mike. You're just going to leave that in. But then we uh, get and the then... darkest fucking joke in a movie where, spoiler alert, uh, a young man will be split in half. Right. And a bunch of people will explode. Yes. Uh, Raul? Uh, Raul, yes. Raul says that uh, he's teaching poodles how to fly. And he grabs a poodle and he throws it out the fucking window. <laughs> And much like one of my favorite shots in Tag, where uh, a, a girl gets shot out a window and we see her thump on the ground. Yes. After the poodle is thrown out. And we hear the thump. Yes, we do. We, we hear, like, we... They cut away before the dog actually hits. But we we cut outside and we see... And Raul goes... Sometimes it takes him a little while to learn. <laughs> then we cut outside and there's a pile of dead <laughs> poodles. It's... <laughs> fucking amazing <laughs> it's amazing and it like god it's I, so dark for weird al that's what i was thinking yeah but weird al also has the song the night santa went crazy yes that's true which is literally about santa committing a mass shooting and he also has weasel stomping day which is a day where we all gets to go out the whole family gets to go out and murder weasels with their feet and this the one of the deleted scenes that Raul was originally going to be in, uh, if he if Trinidad Silva had not passed away, was a scene where the poodles ganged up and got revenge upon him. Oh, funny! Uh, so there was going to be comeuppance for Raul's behavior. There's a quick cutaway scene to Fletcher, who still doesn't see George's station as a threat despite their success. And I only really bring it up because. It has potentially my favorite joke in the movie. Yeah. Where someone comes in to tell Fletcher that the that U62's ratings are really good. He's wearing a really stupid hat. And Fletcher says, take that ridiculous thing off. And the guy just very sadly removes his mustache. <laughs> <laughs> 
walks I, out. I, I saw I saw the punchline. I saw the punchline of him removing the mustache, but yeah. it was not. I had looked away at the time and gotcha, I, or was yeah. not paying attention and sure. missed the setup. That's fucking fantastic. Like, Take that ridiculous thing off. And the guy like takes a full beat of like, like looking so depressed. And then he just like rips his own mustache off and wanders off. The Oscar from the beginning should have gone to that guy for yes. that one scene. I just want to point out that RJ Fletcher's son is played by a man named John Paragon. Oh, and John Paragon is another dude who is like, I've seen you before. Right, right, right. I know you from something. And then I look up his credits and I've never seen him in anything. I think they mentioned on the commentary that he was in he, Pee-wee's Playhouse. He was. And I, he also worked with the woman we do not name on this show. Right. Yes. Okay. Uh, I just want to point that out because he looks so much like someone whose name I don't know. Right. But And he sounds like him too. Yeah, and he he serves up great one of Donald Trump's sons energy in this in this exactly. show. Like he's basically just playing that exact character. But Stanley is hosting some seeming like double dare like show. It's it's the uh, same show. Someone has it's, to it's, find a marble in the oatmeal. Yeah, Stanley Spakowski's clubhouse, and as a prize, when the kid finds the marble, he, hold on. Oh, sorry. It is a child versus two elderly people. Yes, that's true. And the old man extra in the scene mm-hmm. really fucking hates being in this oatmeal. <laughs> I didn't notice this. He is not pleased. <laughs> I don't know what they told him he would be doing that day. Right, yeah. Or if he thought, like, oh, yeah, I can be in some oatmeal. Yeah. He is not fucking having it. The oh, old God. woman is, like, like down on her knees in it. He's sitting on the edge of the kiddie pool of the oatmeal. Uh, he is looking sour as shit. That's hilarious. I love extras who are not having fun. <laughs> who just like, the director doesn't notice and they're yeah. just like all fucking angry that they're there. Just, just so mad. Uh, and yeah, and the, and the prize that the kid wins for finding the marble is that he gets to drink from the fire hose. And Not even, dr- oh yeah, it is No, he, he does say drink yeah. from the fire hose, and he says, open wide, and the kid just flies across the stage, which was great. Just and a great as I'm joke. sure you were thinking, I was mm-hmm. like, that fire hose is going to have something weird in it. Nope, just water. Uh, just just I very... Mean, Forceful water. I was okay with it this time because, like, just the idea of trying to drink from a fire hose is really funny. Yes. Uh, apparently, this is a recycled joke from some sketch comedy Weird Al worked on in college, by the way. there The second scene with Raul happens, mm-hmm. which is unfortunately not as good as his first scene. No. It's a very quick... But they were planning on having more with him. Exactly. It's not like this was supposed to be a swan song. Right. It's just a quick Treasure of Sierra Madre reference. Uh, a man is delivering him animals. Yes. I don't know who is uh, supplying him supplying with, with them. I don't know who's ordering them. Because as we eventually learn, mm-hmm. as we learned before, neither Bob nor George mm-hmm. hired Raul. <laughs> <laughs> They're watching the first segment. It's like, did you... Uh, why'd you hire this guy? Me? I thought you hired him. And they both look at the at the screen in shock yeah. and terror. Uh, so I'm who, surprised. So after they discovered that and they saw that episode, he still has a job somehow. Apparently, I guess he got hella ratings. I don't know. Um, but he's delivering him animals, and he and says, he said, "One of the animals is a badger," and he says, yes. "Badgers? We don't need no stinking badgers." Again, and it reminds me of. <laughs> I guess from like uh, I don't remember when Sierra Madre came out, forties or fifties. I think it was the forties. I don't know. Um, for about fifty years, people made that reference. They um, still make it, and I, do I, they? I sigh. Who does? I, I don't. I can't think of anything specific. Well, I can think of one that was just shocking to me. 
there's a Treasures of Sierra Madre reference in one of the fucking Aragon books. Like a series of fantasy okay. novels, and they're like, how do we escape? Well, I have some barges. Barges? We don't need no stinking barges. Oh, and even man. even as a kid reading that, I was like, you, why? I feel <laughs> why like, did you do that? I feel like half the... I feel like it stopped at, like around the 2000s. Like that's when a it lot of the did. old like references sure started to fade away, I feel. Yeah. Once Animaniacs ended, <laughs> like that's when the references to old Hollywood stopped. Right. But yeah, um that makes sense. Uh I feel like a good portion of the people who reference tri- the writers who reference Treasure of the Sierra Madre mm-hmm. have not seen that film. And oh, they're just yeah. referencing the reference. Have you seen it? I have not. It's I, good. I, I have it. I bought a Humphrey Bogart collection because I wanted to rewatch Maltese Falcon and Casablanca. Yes. And so far, out of that collection, I've only seen reseen Casablanca. Casablanca's a good film. It's I don't a know great if you've movie. heard. I, I don't know if you've heard. I don't know if anyone's ever said this. I've heard rumors. Hot take! Hot take. Incoming. Um, oh my Hot God. Hot take incoming. I need to... Prepare myself for Just the spirit. Just prepare All right. Loosen, loosey-goosey. Ugh. Loosen up. Loosen it up. Listen up. Okay. You motherfuckers. You motherfuckers. Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Good movie. Ooh. Mic drop. Ooh, boy. But no, uh, they're going to be. They're going to hang us on Twitter for oh all my They're going to hang us on Twitter. They're going to shoot me. They're going to shoot you in the streets. They're going to shoot me like at the end of that one Bill Hicks uh, special. <laughs> Bill <laughs> Hicks has a special that ends with him getting fake assassinated. Okay. Um, Great. I thought you were going to say they were going to shoot you like Old Yeller, but that, that oh no, yeah. was Old Yeller a subversive commentator on pop culture like I am? <laughs> was he dangerous to society aside from his rabies? Uh, was he spinning truths like there were watermelon seeds at a watermelon eating contest? I mean, I think I remember him being played by a young George Carlin in the movie. So sure, oh, sure, yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George Carlin's furry stage. <laughs> Which I heard, and granted, yeah, this is a rumor I'm making up right now. <laughs> I heard he never grew out of that stage. Mm, 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 I heard they mm. found him dead in a possum costume. <laughs> you know what? If I had to pick a fursona for George Carlin, I think possum is pretty good. I think that's pretty close to true. George, meanwhile, uh, while this... All this comedy is going on in the station has been uh, love bombing and harassing Terry. Uh, yeah, just uh, leaving shouty messages on her yeah. answering machine. Shouty messages on the answering machine, uh, breaking into her apartment and filling it with a bunch of I love you balloons and I love yeah. you signs, neon Behavior shit. that really is part of the culture that fucked us up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though Weird Al didn't intend for that. Yeah. But, I, think, uh, I think, honestly, the extremes that his character go to to in this movie are meant to parody this trope in this kind of film i hope so but uh it is it is a uh problematic yet another parody uh that i saw before i actually saw this movie conan the librarian which is funny but i kind of wish it had more specific conan references in it sure i've never seen conan sure so it didn't bother me but this is also the thing that like i feel everyone remembers from this movie sure um, yeah this but or I, one other fake movie trailer that comes later. But I did forget about the part where Conan just full-on cuts a kid in half. Right, yeah, because he's late. Which made me laugh out loud. That's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. Uh, also, like, don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> That's pretty good, too. And we get a shot 
at a board right after that segment. We get a shot of the board where George is putting up shows, and they are various shows that are on the fall lineup for UHF, including You Bet Your Pink Slip, Wide World of Tractor Pulls, Leave It to Bigfoot. I would definitely watch Leave It to Bigfoot. Absolutely. The Wonderful World of Phlegm, My Three Mutants, Beat the Lone Shark, Name That Stain, The Young and Dyslexic, Eye on Toxic Waste, Druids on Parade, Volcano Worshippers Hour, <laughs> Underwater Bingo for Teens, Fun with Dirt, that might be my favorite, The Lice is Right, That's Disgusting, Budo Knows Best, and no, my actual favorite, The Flying Pope, <laughs> and also Bestiality Today. Oh! <laughs> As Weird Al himself has expressed, he is only, he's not even in the top five weirdest people in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's in the top 100. I, I would agree with that. But top 1,000. <laughs> uh, top 10,000. Jeez. Uh, but So these are the best weird ideas for U62 shows that he has come up with. Yes. As as consumers of weird media ourselves, I was wondering if we had any ideas of like other other weird shows that U62 might... Uh, might have on on their lineup. Maybe if the fall lineup's taken up. Maybe the the winter. Yes. Uh, so what 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 kind of U sixty two show ideas have you come up with? First off, Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> That's a show where Benjamin Franklin, right. uh, one of our founding fathers, if you sure. were not aware, yes, uh, runs a freak show, right, and all his trials and tribulations. It'd be like wings. <laughs> But instead like of a wings. small airport, it's it's a sideshow. Sure, sure. And Benjamin Franklin's just rotting away from syphilis. <laughs> so you don't know like what's a hallucination and right. what's like actually going on in the sideshow. Yeah. And that's part of the humor. And Benjamin Franklin's played by Tim Daly from Wings. Yes. Right. No, it's the same cast as Wings. Same cast as Wings. Uh, Tony yes. Shalhoub is the bearded lady. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, uh Thomas Hayden Church is uh Pinhead. Right. Yes. Um, the older lady is uh, the snakeskin boy. <laughs> uh, great. I, I, I love it. I also I'm have bored. celebrity circumcision, mm -hmm. which is where celebrities are both being circumcised and performing circumcision. Okay. Possibly on other celebrities. So it's sort of like... Uh, Dancing with the Stars, but with but circumcision. With, exactly, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. And, you know, sometimes there's, like, a celebrity we really want to have on. Right. They've already been circumcised. Jeff Goldblum. Exactly. Yeah. We have some fake foreskins in the closet. Oh, well, there you go, yeah. there you go. Uh, I also have um, Baptism Oopsies. <laughs> which is just, honestly, it's a true crime show. Right, yeah. About priests who just, like, murder people by drowning them during baptisms. Sure, but, yeah. Say it's an oopsie. Right. And then right. we go to their house and we arrest them. Right. Yes. I hear Chris Hansen is very interested in He hosting. is interested. Yeah. He wants to surprise people who have done other stuff than mm -hmm. the stuff he's already handled. Stuff that I had, my my immediate idea was a talk show hosted by George with his sidekick <laughs> being his deerskin jacket. Yeah. And it'd be I've... sort of like a fashion focused thing where they review other people's jackets See and then who kill has killer... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See who has killer style. Yeah, That's no, the name of the show, Killer I'd, Style. I'd watch the fuck out of that. <laughs> Just... I feel like we could get that show made because we have a star of rubber in oh, this yeah. movie. We're assuming he's the star. <laughs> yes, he we're did assuming. cap for the tire. <laughs> Here's Machine. another great show. Al Capone's sure. Pussy. 
There is an Al Capone connection. There in this is movie. an Al Capone <laughs> reference. They, they, yeah. uh, which is they more Geraldo Rivera's opening of Al Capone's vault, which is eminently mockable, and it made me very happy that they yes. mocked it. Yes, and it's a joke that even. If you don't know the reference, it's still funny. It is still funny, but I when you said that you didn't enjoy that it's like 12, or you said you were yeah. when you watched this, I was like, there are a lot of references that a kid might not yeah. get. Yes. Another episode, or another show. Uh, keep, keep them coming. What if uh, jack-o'-lanterns could be racist? <laughs> I feel like... It's a sci-fi show like The Twilight Zone. Oh, okay, okay. Where like... Um, Mm-hmm. You know, like a black kid comes up trick or treating, sure. and the uh, pumpkin says something terrible. Just, just that sounds more like a prank show. You just put, you just. Put I a, mean, it's a fi- it's, it's you a put fictional a, show. You it's, put a speaker in the pumpkin, and Michael Richards is on the microphone. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bet uh, he'd like that. <laughs> Fucking! I freak. wish there was a word. Uh, <laughs> Bob realizes to his and George's shock that they are number one in the ratings. They are, they've beat out the networks and have three shows in the top five. And this is where I think that there's a, the biggest misopportunity for me. Okay. Is in the movie, is, is in this scene, because it ends with, the scene ends with them being like, we're, we have three shows in the top five. They look at each other, ah, and it cuts to the next bit and just kind of keeps rolling. They've gone from being like a couple of working class schlubs to being the biggest station Did in the country. Did you want a country. money montage? I wanted a montage. But I wanted it... There is a song... There's a title song to this movie called UHF. Yeah. It plays over the credits. And it's potentially out of Al's original song because it's not a parody of anything. It might be my favorite of all time. Because okay. it's, it's like this big anthem. It barely even has any jokes in the song itself. It's just sort of like this anthem celebrating UHF. We got it all on UHF. It has this kick-ass guitar solo. Gotcha. It's I great. I did not... Listen far into the credits. I've been listening to this song on repeat for days now. Okay. Uh, and if you... If I were to put it anywhere in the movie, it would be right here. Gotcha. To have go, ah, uh, and then it cuts to a mon- to a another music video with Weird Al in this sort of like P.T. Barnum-esque outfit, like showing off all the great attractions that they gotcha. have on UHF. And it's... The music video for UHF is great. But why isn't it in the goddamn movie? We have a Weird Al music video. Weird Al is known for his songs. Make this movie a musical and have this great musical number that I imagined several years after anyone could do anything about it. <laughs> uh, you cowards. But yeah. it's, it's uh, I don't know, it just it just seemed like a big missed opportunity. They do go to something like that, which is just more commercials for more shows that they have on UHF. Mm-hmm. Uh, including some, uh, at least one show that actually sounds like it could be a real show, Bowling for Burgers. Yeah. It's a combination well, cooking show and bowling sh- competition. Well, there was some show called Bowling for Dollars. Oh, I think I've heard of that. I've heard it referenced. Sure. Uh, there's also uh, uh, Stay Fit with Mike and Spike, Strip Solitaire, which is just great celebrity mud wrestling with mikhail gorbachev yes which became that because they couldn't find a look-alike for ronald reagan no the name erased john wayne is it reclusive Helen au- keller reclusive author jd salinger that's it okay that was actually it jd well, yeah once you say reclusive author there's only yeah. so many sure uh they couldn't find a jd salinger look-alike in time so they found but they had a mikhail gorbachev look-alike on standby so i have a feeling that was a joke Maybe. And this is where we get the Dr. Demento cameo. Yep, he gets some whipped cream sprayed in his mouth hole. 
and for those who don't know who we've been mentioning, Dr. Demento was a, I guess a... Uh, he was iconic for, like, nerds who love music comedy. It was like a disc jockey or something. He did yeah. just had, like, a show where he did music comedy and Weird Al came and, like, up. Weird Al came up through him. Through him, yeah. Fucking Barnes and Barnes, I'm sure. Uh, Alan Sherman. Sure. Shit like that. Is it worth it to look up any of his stuff? I don't know. Sure. I I've, I know I him by as, reputation. I just have never, like, I don't know any of his stuff. I remember as a child trying to find his show on the radio because I was listening to Weird Al. Sure. He's referenced in The Simpsons as being one of Bart's nemesises. <laughs> um, tracks, that tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've never listened to any actual Dr. Demento stuff. Okay. U62's tagline, by the way, is the reason television was invented, which I thought was great. It's very Stan Lee, the world's greatest comic magazine energy going in. This plot around live children's TV shows, which isn't really a thing anymore, and I don't think it really was a thing in the 80s, but it seems to be hearkening back to this very Bobo the Clown. Bozo? Sorry, yeah, Bozo the Clown, Howdy Doody kind of sitch that Weird Al would be more familiar with from his childhood really kept reminding me of another movie that really played into that idea, Death to Smoochie. And especially combined with the sort of childish humor of the movie, I kept expecting Stanley to pull out a uh, dick-shaped cookie. Stanley? Stan Stanley? You you literally said Stanley, oh. not Stanley. I mean, I'm also surprised that Stan Lee didn't have a lot of dick-shaped cookies around, but yeah. you know. Fletcher once again hams it up to the nth degree and declares war on U-62. We cut to Uncle Harvey listening to another Weird Al song, Let Me Be Your Hog, mm-hmm. uh, which is a song that is not a parody of any other song, was written specifically to only be as long as the scene it's in. <laughs> so it is Weird Al's shortest ever song at 16 seconds. Uh, it's Apparently he still plays in his live shows. It's on the set list for the uh, show we're going to see tonight. I am so it's excited. It's one of the possible numbers. Sure. I hope he plays it. I'm, I, I love Let Me Be Your Hog. It's a great, great number. It is. Anyway, turns out... That today was the day that Jay Trotter was at the track and won all the money. Because Harvey <laughs> lost every bet that he made at the track. That's not necessarily how horse racing works. It doesn't work that way at all. But I, I like the the idea that this is in the same universe as that. As I, Let It Ride. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I hope uh, that Jay I, Trotter's in Florida. Uh, <laughs> there's a whole universe here. There's a cinematic universe. But he lost every bet he oh, made at the man, track. And I ship Weird Al Yankovic and Richard Dreyfuss so hard. <laughs> To the like the actual every, people or yes, the, the, the actual celebra- people? No, okay, not the characters. Not the characters. No, yeah, I just hope that they fuck. <laughs> I do too. I write them both letters every day and be like, sure. I pretend that I'm from the other one. <laughs> I I and I'm like, hey, I oh man, I know you don't want to meet at um, Arby's. You're trying to parent trap these people, exactly. <laughs> I'm just trying to get them to fuck each other. Right, right. Famous mustache men. <laughs> Famous, well, Weird Al has shaved off his mustache, unfortunately. Well, he can grow him back. That's true. That's what they say. I've heard that. I've heard it's that. It's in the Bible. <laughs> it is in the Bible. We all remember when Jesus went into the desert. Right. Into the wilderness for 30 days and shaved off his mustache before yes. he went. He came back, mustache again. Missed mustache again. One of his many miracles. On the third day, the mustache was back. Yes. Uh, so yeah, apparently his bookie is also Doctor Claw because we see him from the back. Yep, speaks with a bit deep old monster voice, and he's got a he's got a fake hand that he takes off and replaces with a meat cleaver. Slices up a, a salami in front of him. Cut to Uncle Harvey saying, "I'm dead meat," 
At which point in the commentary, Weird Al said, Fellini, eat your heart out. Just at that moment, R.J. Fletcher calls up and offers to buy the station from Uncle Harvey. Conveniently, R.J. Fletcher calls up and is like, hey, mm-hmm. let me buy your TV station. Exactly. Fletcher goes to the station uh, smugly to measure the place as he's about to be the new owner. And Bob points out that it's illegal to own two TV stations in the same town, which I don't think is a thing. It might have been in the 80s before um, the Fairness in Television Act was abolished. Sure. Um, Who knows? And then uh, Fletcher has a great bit where he answers and says, Oh, really? Guess I'll have to turn this place into a parking lot. (laughs) Always need more parking. Always need. Always need more parking. I fucking hate looking for parking. Fucking hate it. Fucking hate it. The world needs more parking lots. That's that's. If I heard, learned anything from they tore down paradise and put in the parking lot, yep. is that the parking lots were the good thing. Exactly. <laughs> Joni Mitchell, very pro parking lot. <laughs> Famously pro parking lot. Uh, George, with the assistance of Aunt Esther, is able to get Uncle Harvey to give him the opportunity to raise a seventy-five thousand to buy the station himself by Friday night. Mm-hmm. They worry aloud about trying to keep an eye on Fletcher, which inspires Philo to go AWOL and install hidden security cameras in Fletcher's office. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, and this is the bit that you thought I was talking about earlier, George's talk show has become a hard-hitting journalism show. Yes. Including very specific parody of, Gerald, of Geraldo Rivera and the Al Capone situation there. Yes. But he actually finds something, which is more than Geraldo Rivera found. Found some roadmaps. Found some roadmaps. Uh, and also another Geraldo reference where multiple people throw chairs at Al's well, head. Well, that was more Springer, I think. Uh, they said on the commentary it was a Geraldo Rivera oh, okay. reference. Apparently, I mean, most of it is. There are definitely some Jerry Springer references, but well, I don't sh- know if Springer was like that or even on the sh- air in '89. I don't know, but uh, apparently Geraldo Rivera had a Rivera had an infamous incident where someone threw a chair at his head. Oh, yeah? during a live broadcast. Good. <laughs> And ends with another one of my favorite lines. Lesbian Nazi hookers abducted by UFOs and forced into weight loss programs. All this week on Town Talk. <laughs> yeah, this that bit's great. This um, is a great bit. So they put on a telethon. So, yes, they decide, they, they decide to throw on a telethon to raise the money. And it's not just a donation. You're no. buying shares in U62. Yes. Everyone who but pays $10 or more gets a share Seems low. in U62. It's it there the idea again is this this anarchist idea of like the town is itself runs the station. Gotcha. They're, they're not being uh, again in channel six or channel eight or whoever they're fighting, they're a channel eight, that's what it is. They're a network affiliate. They are literally the man. Yeah. Uh and they're they're fighting for the people here. The revolution will be televised. Ooh, there it is. That should have been the tagline for the movie. The tagline was... <laughs> yeah! The tagline was instead, television as it was always meant to be seen in a movie theater. <laughs> uh, the station has raised just over 2300 when Stanley gets kidnapped by Fletcher's goons. Uh, we have a brief cutaway to another one of my favorite segments, although uh, definitely not something that uh, has aged particularly well gandhi 2 oh yeah 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 uh they were trying to do it's it's a for some reason the black exploitation action movie sequel to gandhi where gandhi has given up on peaceful protest and has and decided just murders people and it's the director in brownface mm-hmm. uh in the segment i uh, 
it's hilarious to me, but it is also the execution mm, is flawed. Yeah, and they also they should have gotten an actual Indian person to disrespect one of their national heroes. Yeah. Also, I can't imagine that if if any Indian person ever saw this movie, I don't think that they would probably be very happy with this, considering how badly they apparently reacted to Gandhi's depiction in uh, Clone High. Yeah, I don't know. Terry goes to Channel Eight to try and. For some reason, beg Fletcher into letting Channel 62 yeah, off the hook. This is a bizarre contrivance. It's a very bizarre contrivance, but it allows Philo to get footage of Fletcher mm. bad mouthing the townspeople. I think Philo also put cameras in bathrooms, like uh, Chuck Berry. <laughs> I imagine so. Also, Chuck Berry I hope what? So. <laughs> oh, you didn't know this about Chuck Berry? I don't think I did. He had a restaurant or something where he uh, videotaped ladies in the bathroom. Oh, God. I, I Chuck Berry was a prevert. Oh, he liked to get farts rocketed into his mouth. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm learning again so many disappointing things today. I I the only reference that I had to cameras and bathrooms was a bit an old bit on the Phil Henry show. Who the fuck is Phil Henry? We'll talk about it later. We don't have to. Uh, <laughs> Stanley is as I mentioned earlier has been kidnapped and is being held by these thugs. And he's annoying the shit out of them. Annoying the shit out of them, and they open the his his blindfold falls off in a moment and realizes that just by chance, the Channel Eight warehouse that they're holding him in has his mop. His, his mop. His childhood mop. And seeing that, of course, immediately gives him super strength. He breaks out of the the ropes and starts a pretty great action chase sequence yeah which was apparently blocked by michael richards i believe it uh he again uh he just came in with a lot of ideas and the director was like well i don't know what i'm doing so sure and uh they just did it george finds out through philo's cameras where stanley, stanley is and heads out to try and save him along the way having another daydream sequence a where he imagines... Very long Rambo a very, very long Rambo. Which Ram- did not work for me at all. Specifically Rambo 2. Okay. And I actually... I've never seen any of the Rambas. Uh, it's Rambo 1 is worth it. I've I heard. do not think that any of the other ones... I, I tried to get through Rambo 2, which is supposed to be one of the better ones, and I just couldn't make it past five minutes. But uh, I actually really enjoyed this parody. I thought it was great. I just, I but it does ex- go on for a very long time. I enjoyed it when people exploded. Yes. I enjoyed that. Other than that, it did not do a lot for me. Part of the gag is that every time uh, George does anything, even remotely violent to another person, they just explode. Uh, there's a great bit that's... Very reminiscent of some bits in Austin Powers where a guy's trying to shoot uh, George, but he's like standing right next to him and yeah. still can't hit him. And they get in the helicopter and blow up the Eiffel Tower and the Coliseum. <laughs> and and uh, Fantasy Stanley loves loves the carnage. <laughs> that, Just loves uh, it. Loves everything that that uh, George is doing. And the, the Sylvester Stallone cameo they wanted. He they wanted him to be the ticket taker who sells them a five dollar ride on a helicopter. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. In the sequence. But uh, didn't work out. Uh, George, still full of this Rambo fantasy. <sighs> I bet Sylvester Stallone wanted a writing credit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like him. Sounds like him. He bursts into the room where they're keeping Stanley, still with his Rambo face on, and tells them that he's their worst nightmare. Which I think is a Cobra reference. I'm not know. sure. But, uh, of course, immediately gets captured himself, and instead they have to be saved by Cooney and his karate school students. Yep. Which, given how many people they've defenestrated over the course of their karate careers, I don't know why they weren't plan A. True. 
Uh, they all come back to the station, and Stanley starts to rile up the crowd into a mob against Channel 8. Fletcher decides to run some sort oh, of... Oh, this of, just reminded me. Yeah. Another movie that this was up against, Do the Right Thing. Oh my god. <laughs> this movie had no chance. Although, I will say, Stanley's makeup and hairstyle and everything in this movie makes him look a lot like the uh, the one pizza shop employee. John Turturro? John Turturro's character in Do the Right Thing. Fletcher decides to run some sort of attack on U-62, which we never get to see what he was going to do. Um, because but Philo hijacks it. He hijacks a signal, plays the footage of Fletcher uh, insulting the town and mm -hmm. the people and everybody, and very Batman Returns, and uh, and just calling him a pile of dog snot. Mm -hmm. And today, if this would be aired, yes, R.J. Fletcher would be elected president. Ex mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I I'm. Again, that when we did the the same scene happens in Batman Returns, and I think I made the exact same joke last time I watched that. Terry comes and gets back together with George. Thank God. Uh, thank God. Fletcher uh, decides to bully George into just stopping the telethon. Yeah. He's run out of all other avenues. Just as Uncle Harvey's bookie shows up to murder him. At the last moment, the homeless the character from earlier... Bum. Turns out he was given a penny by Fletcher in an earlier scene we didn't talk about, and that penny turned out to be this incredibly rare and expensive penny. He got $2,000. And he bought some shares, and he, they got over the top. Over the top. Sylvester Stallone all comes back around. Um, and they give all the money to the, to the bookie. They get the station. Everything's good. The shot of the crowd celebrating here is the only crane shot in the movie. The director oh, okay. really wanted to have a lot of crane shots. They could never afford a crane Why? until they were... Sh I don't know. He was interested in crane <laughs> shots. Just, this first-time <laughs> director is just like, crane shot. It's like, I like crane shots. And they could... The only maybe way... Maybe he's a big uh, Frasier fan. Maybe. Love those cranes. <laughs> Uh, he hears several that, years before that show he, was he, on. He, even before the show came on, he heard even that before Frazier was a character on Cheers. He heard that blues a calling. Oh, uh, but uh, toss salad and, and scrambled, scrambled eggs, eggs both at the same time. Oh my god, my favorite meal. The only <laughs> give way, it to me on death row. The only way that they were able to do a crane shot for this last crowd shot is because one of the locals let them borrow their cherry picker. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. The FCC pulls Channel 8 from the airwaves entirely. Because they haven't some, paid their license. Sure, some bullshit last minute reason. Yeah. Philo says his work on this planet is complete and uh, has to return to the planet Zarkon. And he wanders off into the background. There's a nice little effect shot of him transforming to the alien. Pretty great effect done by the same people who did the Marge effect in the... Uh, oh, Pee-wee. In the Pee-wee movie. And uh, it's a pretty great alien design, yeah. too. And he blasts off into space. And the movie closes. And not once throughout the entire movie did they ever have McCarthy ever say the line you're next or they're here already in an entire movie of film parodies they never had him say that line i very confused by that choice uh again playing the song uhs over the credits which is one of my favorite weird al songs of all time now yeah that's uhf 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 the classic the uh the the american uh treasure any final thoughts on uhf brad not particularly um uh, what's it's... our what's our attractive ladies score at the end of the oh movie? two for two <laughs> two for t there were other ladies um <laughs> what about the, the contestant on uh, wheel of fish aunt esther <laughs> i only see 
women who were on comedy shows in the 90s. Oh, gotcha. Fair I enough. don't see race. Sure. And I only see women who were on comedy shows in the 90s. Right. Yes, of course. Put it on my tombstone. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, UHF, I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. Yeah. And maybe that helped. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a good time. I laughed out loud a couple times, which is not always what I do with comedy movies, even mm-hmm. the ones I enjoy. I think that the movie's been unfairly maligned based on when it came out. Well, it has a huge cult following. It does have a huge cult following. I, I think that at the, I mean, specifically mean at the time it was unfairly maligned. Yes. I think that... Uh, if it had come out in a less uh, in a less busy time, it yeah. would have been better received. I don't think it would have ever have been a blockbuster. I would have liked to have seen Weird Al and Jay and these folks like make more movies because for a first time movie, this is not bad. No, and I would have loved to have seen them like explore their grow their craft, really more. feel their oats. Yeah, really, really sow some wild cinematic oats. Bye bye. Bye.